There we go. Uh, that damn robot. All right. Hey, everyone. This is United We Nerd. And I've been looking. I keep saying it, but I'm going to keep saying it probably all, all this whole session. Been looking forward to this roundtable discussion all week. We've had a another uh, roundtable discussion about Overwatch with a couple friends. But I decided to up it with more friends to talk about Dungeons & Dragons or like tabletop playing in general. Like homebrews the, from the guidebook or whatever. And just th this group of people, varying experiences, you know, I know all these different people from work, school, whatever, and I just know you guys have showed me things about D&D or things I've learned about or what we've played. It's just a fucking fun game, and I just thought, what better group to have together? There's a couple other friends, of course, who have led me on this journey, but uh, they've been on other things, and I know one of them wanted to do that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> to get things started... Hi, my name is Joel. I'm one of the co-hosts of United We Nerd, and also my co-host over here. Oh, me? Yes, you. Oh, because you're pointing off screen for me. Hello. Oh, whoops. This, this is Brian. Hello again. Welcome back. Appreciate you guys being here. All right. And um, we, I have four lovely guests with me. So um, in this order, I'm just going to look at the list I have right here. Uh, please introduce yourselves. I'm going to say your usernames, but you can use your full name if you want. Uh, in this order, introduce yourselves. Uh, Jedi, Kappa, Kitty, and Tech. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is also Joel, but for convenience sake, you may refer to me as Jedi or Joby, um, just to kind of keep everything clean. Um, and yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I, I think that means it's my turn. What up, nerds? Uh, my name is Christian, but I'm best known on the internet as Kappa or Kappa Chris. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what how, how else to introduce myself. I'm like, uh, uh, in the loosest of terms, I'm a professional streamer, voice actor, writer, and you know, just any anything related to TTRPG, I have my hands in. So um uh I, when when i mean loosest of terms i mean there was an exchange of money um meaning so and and that's that's what i mean by professional like someone handed me five dollars to to do something that was it so yeah that's me hello you can refer to me as kappa or christian um i respond to both hey money's great uh <laughs> hi i'm matt i'm more of like a casual uh dungeon master or game master uh, um you can also call me Kitty, whichever works. And yeah, uh, that's me. Hi, uh, my name is Josh. Uh, my gamer tag's TechWolf, and uh, I'm very, very new to Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, I'm willing to give you my amateur's perspective. I think it was for me important to bring in all ranges. I think to just address like different levels, how we see it, perspective. I think, especially for this game, is very important. Um, I've learned that to the hard way, like as terms of like improv world building what you can and can't do so i think it's again all levels important so um i wanted to start off with this question so is anyone i guess did you guys know about like did anyone start DD &D, like with any like preconceived notion what it was or did you guys like anyone start with it fresh like oh i've never heard of this let me try it like i'll just go around and ask let's start with that and i'll say for me like it was like years before i actually started playing but i knew about it about it from like teachers at school couple like my friends like one of my best friends his brother was playing didn't really get into it until i'd say i don't know 
four years after the fact. And that was because another group of friends was like, hey, let's try it. And they really liked it. They brought it to another friend group. Like, hey, you want to try Dungeons and Dragons? And we're like, fuck it, whatever. And from there, I've, you know, it, it's been so much fun. Uh, and people can attest that the crit fails are heart wrenching sometimes, but I uh, <laughs> um, think it's amazing. I ended up DMing. I never thought I'd be get that far, but here I am. I've yes. done homebrews. Um, I'm on a Mass Effect one right now. So that's pretty cool. We can talk more about what we we're part oh, yeah. of, but I just want to say, like, that's been my journey. Like Spark Notes version. Let's go to Brian, and then we'll go to Jedi, Christian, Kitty, Attack. All right. Well, I've, it's kind of weird because I feel like when I was younger, the only things I heard about D and D were shows that made fun of D and D, like the ones that totally. be mm-hmm. like either yeah, be like totally. that Sydney show or like some some cartoons that are like oh like D and D, a bunch of nerds in the mom's basement kind of thing. It's um, but it's like I never really like knew like exactly how it was until i met one of my friends in high school um he, him and one of his buddies played D quite a lot and so one day it was like hey man you know um this weekend we're gonna you know start a new campaign why don't you come hang out and i was like oh, all right you know i'm you know high schooler with nothing to do so i was like all right cool and boy did i underestimate how much it took to put in like the energy to make a character like we, we legit spent most of our day like making our characters and i was like yeah Ugh. yeah and it's, it's like oh my god i mean it was it was a very interesting process though because i i always assumed it's like oh you know you just like pick and choose just like certain things and like everything is just kind of there for you but like no you actually got to pick major aspects of your character and actually like kind of tailor it to how you want it to be in a a way um but yeah it was a very interesting experience but it didn't stay like i didn't really kind of like go back too often um so i fell off for a while but it wasn't until i met joel and like the rest of our friend group and like they played D D a lot and i was like all right well my experience was kind of meant like i couldn't like really explain like my experience so i was like okay i'll give it a second try and for some reason like everything clicked into place for me i'm like oh this is actually real fun and, like it had a lot of people to explain things to me and i just, like slowly started like figuring it out and getting into it and then especially like now where i'm even actually trying to plan my own campaign based off of devil may cry because Devil May Cry is one of my favorite game franchises, and I'm like, I can make a, I can make one because we've been playing Joel's Mass Effect um, games. Like, I can make a Devil May Cry one, and so now I'm kind of like back to where I, I began. Like now I'm like, how the fuck do you make a game? I'm a little, I'm a little <laughs> curious. Are you, are you running Devil May Cry off of a, off of D and D, and like just skinning it for DMC, or are, did you find a system that lends well to the mechanics and lore, and you know just batshit craziness of the video games so it's a it's a mixture of both um it's still very early in like it's planning so i'm i'm basing it most of off of 5e okay like the basis but then i'm also kind of like okay well how can i implement things from devil may cry and have it work in a tabletop kind of setting i guess for like early examples um you know you have like certain characters like in in the aspect of like Devil May Cry, there's not really many like variations of characters to play as. So mm-hmm. 
like you have your human characters, you have your demon characters, and then you have like your half human, half demon. It's like, okay, well, how do you make having only three like race like races mm-hmm. like interesting? So what I decided is like I'm t- I thought of like all the different characters that you're able to play as or just like are in like the world of Devil Cry. I'm like, okay, well, humans. Well, you know, humans can have a lot of guns, so they can kind of be like an archer or like a ranger, or you can kind of have a mixture of like like range combat and like close quarters. But then they're kind of like you know they still have like their human aspects of them, but they will definitely have like ways to fight big demons. And then you have um, so like your like, half. So oh yeah, go ahead. It, it, it like you're adapting it to five E, but with with uh, um, some variations of how you um create your ancestries or your different classes how those interchange with one another for mm. dmc as opposed to just running uh like having people go oh yeah like i'm gonna play a rogue uh, a human rogue um and then that is your dmc character it's 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 something more involved more more mm-hmm. hacking of the system it's it's a little bit of hacking the system and a little bit of kind of nudging the player to kind of think outside of the box as far as like kind of like like normal like D and D like character creation is because like I guess kind of like a limited like selection, mm-hmm. but then like the world of McCry has such big characters. Yeah, and so it's like okay, well you have these options, but use these pieces to create something interesting that you feel like would be in this world and like you would have a fun time playing with, in a way. But yeah, sorry, that's... sorry to sorry to, to go off track there. But oh, yeah, I'm like oh, no, I'm super no. interested in the game design portion of it. So, no, right on. But yeah, that's that's kind of my story. So, uh, I guess whoever wants to pick up next, I guess Cap, uh, if you want to go off. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah. so for for me, D and D and and I guess tabletop RPGs just in general have always been in the background, and it wasn't until actually playing it that I realized how how much of my like i've been a nerd forever like i uh there wasn't a point where i didn't consider myself um a geek or a nerd or anything how much of my my perceptions of the world and perceptions of media and the things i love were shaped by dungeons and dragons or uh were shaped by tabletop role-playing games or shaped by improv or all the elements of your tabletop rpg have always been present it's just it wasn't until way too late in my life uh, that it all coalesced into that first character creation session or that first uh, uh, session zero. Um, yeah, uh, and I mean, I, I started out with uh, D&D, I think 3.5 back in high school, but that was just one or two sessions. And I didn't realize that I was playing or contributing to Dungeons and Dragons. I, I just found a weekend where i was wanted to hang out with some friends and we made some characters and we put them through a dungeon crawl uh really quick just like you know i I thought oh this is like a pencil and paper uh real-time strategy game you know it wasn't until much later after like crit roll became a thing after um all these different shows came out and it got really really popular freaking uh stranger things made it popular or uh community all these different things where it's i'm like okay this is dungeons and dragons this is something that i recognize never took part in until someone was like one of my friends goes hey christian you you'd make a really good dungeon master and and i was like that 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 game dungeons and dragons and at that point 
it was over. Like I got, I got sucked into the lore. I got sucked into the mechanics. Like I graduated with a degree in mathematics. I'm the math guy. And I also, you know, I also really like acting and improv. Joel, you know this. Um, and, and being goofy and writing stories and all this stuff. And D&D turned into just the nexus of all of that. Uh, it's just the perfect storm of everything. Exactly, exactly. And, and I didn't know that all the pieces would fit together until I was in it. Um, and that was like four years ago, I think. Since then, I've done a lot to a lot of writing designing playing gming uh not just dungeons and dragons uh the popular tcrpg game by wizards of the coast um looking uh going out branching out to pathfinder branching out to single pagers indie uh indie create uh, indie creators indie sorry indie game designers and all that stuff so um so if i if i refer to ttrpgs that's tabletop role-playing game or trpgs um dnd is one small part of all of that um sorry i'm, I'm I, I could talk about this forever uh but that's how i got started that that that's like essentially the beginning of my journey i started out awesome with cool yes and the acting yes christian i remember <laughs> yeah we had a fun time in santa cruz uh let's go to joby matt and then josh uh yeah i mean i'm i guess you could say relatively new to the the D and D scene, um, I definitely knew about it growing up. Uh, kind of like what Brian was saying was that that show, you know, it's always been made fun of. Um, but it was always one of those things where it's like, why aren't I playing this? It's like, oh yeah, because I don't really know people who play. Um, and then it wasn't until I started working at the Jewish Community Center of San Francisco uh, where I met. Uh, my current group of my current play group, a um, little bit of a, I guess, shameless plug here. Um, they run the popular streaming group Venture Maidens. Um, if any of you guys have heard of them, oh shit, no way. Um, yeah, so I became cool. friends with them. They brought us on to do a quick little one shot. Um, and then we, you know, next thing we knew, we were in a like year and a half long campaign that actually just ended a few weeks ago and now we're um there's so there's two two friends who um are part of the venture maidens and then uh me and two of our other friends who you know complete newbies by by comparison um and they convinced us all three of us to write and run our own one shots and so we're exploring that um I ran my own one shot, created a whole world. I'd never thought that I would do it. And yeah, that's that's my experience in D and D. And I'm uh oh, and just because it came up, I know this can be a polarizing experience. Um I became obsessed with critical role. Uh and like Dude, yeah. It's a great, so I well, great I was podcast. watching it on their their YouTube, like their like uh, recorded live streams and very quickly was like i'll never be you know i'm never going to be like that i never want to be like that but just the like the character design that and the the amount of effort that goes into their character design like that's what i want like i want to be able to do that i want to think more outside the box about my characters really flesh out backstories and and all that good stuff um and i actually like binge watched both of their campaigns Bro. in like two months i finished both of their campaigns that is so, so 
it's like a thousand hours. Man. 2020, perfect 2020, time to do it. Seriously, you know, working from home, you got uh, you got YouTube on the on the TV. Just yeah. You know, next thing I know, I sunk a thousand hours. Yeah, to put it into perspective, <laughs> what that what that looks like. Each episode is about four four and a half hours long. Each yep. campaign is well over like 100, 100 episodes. episodes yeah and don't forget the episodes that go seven hours long exactly. oh yeah there's, there's those yeah. episodes there's a, there are a few and, of those yeah and they've mm -hmm. got the like the one shot spin-off episode watched all of those became obsessed i've currently got like 45 different characters on my D, &D beyond account it's <laughs> i'm here i'm never leaving there and they, like to date this uh date this episode like today they announced an announcement for campaign three. I'm so excited. Oh, yes. I'm <laughs> I I watched their like Exandria uh Exandria Unlimited. So Exandria Unlimited. I, Fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I was I mean, I don't know what I expected. I was completely blown away with I mean Abria is just an amazing, amazing woman. Oh yeah. Um so yeah, I mean that's 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 me. That's my story with D D. All right, let's go to Matt and then Josh. Very cool um so yeah i think my first exposure to D, D was when i was in undergrad and some of my friends in college were like hey you like games why don't you try this out and it was D D fourth edition and i had no idea what was going on because there were too many rules i was like ah and i don't get this and then i stopped for a while Definitely. um i think it was like after i graduated some of us like met up again and we tried doing a D. &D. I think it was fifth edition that time. So that was a little bit better rules wise. And um, I think I liked it more because I got a little bit more into like the whole like backstory of my character and like the backstory of the campaign. And like, I kind of saw it as a way of like exploring like parts of myself. It's like, oh, what if I did this and see what happens? Um, so that's when I started getting more into D&D. And then that campaign ended. I was like, oh, shoot, there's no one else who's DMing right now. So I guess I got to try to figure out how to do this. So yeah, I tried to DM. I was very like very strict rule based, and I noticed like people weren't having the best time because I was like, "Well, you, you got to do this because it's I got to roll this way." And I realized it wasn't like the most fun thing. So I like joined a meetup group actually, where there were a bunch of different tabletop role playing games, and it was kind of like a mind opening experience where there were like these one-page rules, I think that Christian was talking about. Uh, like, it's just like, here, here's a little set of rules, but everything else you just make up and kind of go with it. And that's when I like really got into DMing. And I think I kind of prefer more of the like light rules things because it's less planning, it's less like numbers and like arguing about rules or like whatever, but it's more that, just like- They call that less crunchy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely like an easier experience too. Like we, at least for me and Brian, when we got started with our friend group, we did four E, yeah, and our dungeon masters weren't rigid, but they definitely relied on the rules a lot. And it was like, oh shit. And then, I I think um, a problem I have with four E, not that anything's wrong with it, but um, there's just like you have to keep like your five mm. abilities ready yeah. at all time, constantly check if they're used. You're like, oh, did I use this? Oh, I didn't use this. I can't use it now because I didn't. It's honestly, it's just too much to remember. It's sometimes not fun that way. Like when I finally understood 4E, I was like, oh shit, we moved on to 5E. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, like, oh, <laughs> I felt the same way. 
It's like, oh, I think I'm getting a hang of it. Now introducing 5e. Fuck everything you just learned. Oh, okay. Cool. Thanks. But yeah, it's just so intimidating as a new player just jumping into something with so many rules and you're just like, I don't know what to do. And so, yeah. That's basically my story. Um, Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts like about this up but I'll, I'll wait until it's relevant to, to sure, a yeah. question and not <laughs> want to get want to get josh up in here <laughs> well uh i'm new to D as of uh about a month ago i'd say i think i'm i'm on my like my seventh session was That's yesterday um yeah we we yeah so my buddy uh that i grew up with i like i've known this guy forever he he hit me up one day and we we've been uh gaming a lot together we played you know all through all of the dark soul series together and bloodborne and um you know a lot of these a lot of these games that now that i've played a little bit of dungeons and dragons like totally translates into the you know to the role-playing game the tabletop stuff it's it you can see like the archetypes are, are built into like skyrim and all of these you know very popular games um so he hit me up one day and he just said like hey you ever played dungeons and dragons and i had i had heard about dungeons and dragons and i'd always been curious about it and my exposure to it was like keem peel had a fun <laughs> sketch about it you know and uh the the pete holmes show had a funny sketch about it and so like looking at and watching those sketches they were always so funny but it wasn't like it wasn't uh like it didn't draw me uh like i thought it would um it it, it it still has like I guess it's the the paper aspect of it where you know you're writing down all these points and stuff that that kind of probably is why I shied away from it initially. Um, but once he kind of explained what what it was, uh, I was I was on board. And really, what sells it for me is is just how performative it is. You know, the yes, there is paper. Yes, you do roll dice. There is some math involved, but largely it's like you're creating a story with sometimes complete strangers and the story can be like totally wacky or really fascinating. Like it goes in like very unexpected directions for everybody, including the person who's supposed to be controlling everything. Um, Eric constantly reminds us that, um, and this is his very first uh, game as well. He's his very first DM uh, game. He's He wants to play, but uh, he understands that, uh, he, you know, somebody has got to control this thing. And uh, so being that this is his first game, he constantly reminds us that what he expected to happen is often like the last thing that happens uh, or or doesn't happen at all or happens in a, a totally different way. Um, you know, ju- just as an example, in our last session, uh, there was uh, this bugbear that was supposed to come out and like attack the group immediately. But because he rolled a critical one on the bugbear's entry, <laughs> the bugbear ended up being drunk and falling into a crevasse <laughs> and being eaten by some other creature. It was just like, he's like, this was supposed to start like this big battle royale. And because of the roles, like, you know, it just, it, it's that, totally yeah, unexpected. That's just perfect D&D um, right there. Yeah. You, you have a plan. And, and then comes at you and then now it's a different enti- uh, encounter entirely. I don't know. That, yeah. I just, yeah. I mean, what was supposed to be a big battle ended up being more of like a sneaking around thing. And we ended up getting into a battle eventually, but um, it's just, it, it, that's what's so beautiful about it to me. And then like, that's why I, like I said, we were like, I think we're six or seven sessions in, in about a month. Like we're trying to do it uh, more than once a week if we can, because um, everybody in our group is just so, uh, so into it. And we're all very new to it. I mean, we, 
Uh, I actually ended up asking my wife uh, because we ended up losing two of the players when we did our character creation day. Um, two of the players backed out. And so we were down to just two of us playing. And so I, I just I asked my wife, who is an actor, uh, hey, you know, you're into Lord of the Rings and this kind of stuff. Like, do you would you be interested? And she is very into this game, which is nice. it shows you just how wide the, the net can be to catch mm-hmm. people. Oh man, we will talk later about crit fails and uh, my team here who has played with me and Josh who you played with me the other day, you saw crit fails definitely uh, they throw the funniest and maybe funnest wrench for everyone but the DM and sometimes a fun wrench for us DMs too. Nothing like a good one in the middle of your boss battle, let me tell you. Many boss battles, I should say. <laughs> many, many boss battles. Uh, <laughs> before we go on to more fun things, um, I just wanted to actually uh, probe you guys. We'll go in a different order, but if you can remember um, what was, I mean, maybe for Josh it'll be easier. Can you remember your first like D&D or roleplay character you made? I'll go first. I'll start oh, you want to start? All right, perfect. Oh, Let's go, Josh. We'll go opposite. We'll go Josh, Matt, uh, Joby, Chris, Brian, and then me. Let's, let's do it like that. All right. Uh, considering, yeah. So I'm actually now in, in three different uh, sessions. So uh, I, I we started up the one uh, with my buddy Eric, and uh, that's the one we're like six or seven sessions in. Uh, I, I started off with a... Uh, uh, a ranger so we were all level one level one ranger uh criminal and uh kind of uh as soon as uh i i had mentioned to joel the that i'd been you know doing a a very first session with my buddies like oh do you want to be part of our campaign and so i immediately got super excited and jumped on and made another character for his mass effect campaign and then my buddy eric was he's so excited about his first campaign that he's already planning another campaign with all of my siblings and, and his brother. So we're doing to, going to do a, a Legend of Zelda campaign. So I essentially built three characters kind of out of the gate. Uh, a, a ranger for the traditional, uh, we're doing the, the Mines of uh, Philanor for the like the 5e. And then uh, for Legend of Zelda, I'm doing kind of like a Goron oh, heavy hero fighter. Um, it, yeah, yeah. So he's he's got like super high defense, and he wields this big warhammer. Um, and then for the Mass Effect campaign, without giving out too much information, because we have players here who, who don't quite know who I am yet, um, he's a he's he's going to be kind of a mystery player. But he's more he's more sneaky, uh, kind of um, kind of support sneak. Yeah. I just want to say for like doing so much in so little time, it's actually like very impressive because when yeah we when we did our our um mass effect uh this past week uh it was really cool that you just came in and you were already like everything was ready to go it was like you you were like in like your character and i was like damn it's only been a month holy shit i remember it took me it took me so long to <laughs> grasp the aspect of like getting into character for D. yeah it, it, and like i I for my first couple of days, uh, I've been struggling to get into um, the role playing aspect of it, like creating a voice for my character. And like, I always have to remind myself to go back and reread my character sheet before each session to like, remember what, you know, this is not me, right? Uh, Even though I want to make certain decisions, because you know, something is happening in the game, I have to remember that I'm playing a character that has totally different goals than what I would do. You know, this guy is a thief. He he goes off from what the what the uh, 
the other members might want him to do. Like, I need to be a jerk sometimes, even though I don't want to be. My character is designed a certain way. You know, he has his own goals in mind. You have to get in that For mindset. Sure. Yeah, that's actually pretty funny because uh, I don't remember my first character because that was such a short campaign. But my second character was a half-elf ranger. And I decided it would be interesting because usually elves live to be like hundreds, thousands of years old to be like, a 20-something-year-old elf and see what it's like. Because the book says, oh, they start, they age, grow as regular humans or whatever. But just to think of, like, what experiences they might have between, like, when they're, like, a young elf versus, like, more of an established whatever elf. I don't know how to describe it. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting to think of, like, how an elf's or, like, someone's morality develops at, at a young age. And uh, the campaign we did, uh, he turned out pretty evil, which was also <laughs> interesting because that is not my personality in real life. But, uh, yeah. That was definitely an interesting time. I, I just want to say, actually, for Josh and Matt, do you, uh, if you could give away the names of your characters, too, to make it an interesting for us listeners. Uh, yeah, my my uh, ranger is named Roy oh, Shadow Rat. Rat. Uh, That's pretty dope. Yeah, he's uh, he he's actually also half elf, um, and he grew up uh, with just his elven mother. Didn't know his father, um, and he has a criminal background, so he's constantly like in and out of prison. I went with this character too because uh, again, I'm so brand new. I wanted to pick a, a class that I kind of recognized, and there was plenty in the booklet that I, I didn't really understand. I I wanted to go with like, okay, a ranger, he's got a bow. I can under, kind of understand all these these elements to him and created the backstory based on that. And then for my Goron, his name is uh, Daruga. Um, and then my uh, my Mass Effect is uh, John. He's a, he's a mechanic or so so everyone thinks. Guess we'll find out what happens. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, my character's name is Crib. Um... I picked Ranger because I wanted to have a pseudo dragon as a pet. And even though it's not technically allowed in the rule book, the DM was cool and they were like, yeah, cool, you can do that. I was like, sweet. Fuck, oh, fuck yeah. the rules. Like, yeah. this, this is a game of make believe. Let's, let's do what we want. Yeah. All right, Joby, what about uh, you? Okay. Uh, I don't remember the name of my first character. Um, because we, we did it as like the intro to us learning the rules and mechanics. I do remember uh, I played, a, he was an elf warlock. Backstory, he like traditional kind of like edgelord situation. His friend, his friend died and he wanted to get revenge. And a demon made a pact with him. And his arcane focus was a staff with his friend's skull on top. Yeah, like really, really edgy, edgy bullshit. That's very. very oh, no, I mean, if if you know anything about me, I I'm an emo kid at heart, so very much on brand. Um, but my second character uh, that we played in our year long campaign, uh, extremely unoriginal name because I procrastinated on my character creation and had to come up with a name on the spot when we did our like party group introductions uh so i apologize for uh to the lord of the rings fans his name is mithrandir um a sea elf wizard 
And then as I was kind of creating this character, I realized, God fucking damn it, I made Jace the Mind Sculptor uh, for Magic oh, the no. Gathering as a D&D character. He, Mithrandir, is a wizard in the School of Illusion who uses m- kind of like mind magic, illusions. Uh, I didn't realize it until someone called me out for it. And then Wizards of the Coast put it, it put Jace in the game. Yeah. um and then i mean i don't know i i'm i'm excited about my next character so i kind of want to talk about him uh we'll we'll get to current characters or more current characters uh i think that make that that brings it to me right um okay so i talked about my 3.5 like initial ever playing but that was more of like uh you're playing the 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 wizard dwarf or something we didn't really make a character we made like the stats of the character and then you just go through the dungeon with a character sheet there was no like backstory there's it was just a very simple dungeon crawl the first time i made a character it was very much a um oh man flood of memories just now um my dm this was like back in like the maybe the the second expansion of destiny 2 oh no destiny 1 destiny 1 my dm was like hey you're joining this game i know you play destiny do you know the gunslingers i'm working on trying to make a custom class based on the rogue that allows you to be a gunslinger from destiny but set in fantasy and i was like hell yeah Sign me up. I'm all about throwing hunter knives and all that shit. Um, and so so he was like, okay, cool. Like he he homebrewed this whole class and everything. So I my my character is a human. Uh my first character was a human gunslinger rogue. Um it was it was very out there, but it worked. It was it it definitely played like the Destiny gunslingers. Um and uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to base this off of Cade 6. Just be this smarmy little <laughs> asshole. But like that that you don't know if you can trust, but has like a has a sense of justice, sense of morality, all that stuff. Um, that was very much like a, a, a um, like a, almost a self-insert character. Um, his name was, it was a playoff of Captain Laser. It was Capitan Lezher. Uh, which is my, my DM was my, my, my dungeon master was like, This is how we're gonna make it fit into the world. I'm like, All right, fine, cool, whatever. This is my first character. I'm just gonna be smarmy, play Nathan Fillion as Kate Six in DD. That's all I did. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that was that was very much uh, I still I still play in that game sometimes. Um, I come back and like, okay, cool, like what what new Destiny th- stuff has come out? Oh, sweet, like tethers. Like now, my now my character leveled up and can take on tethers or or something like that so that was my first like character that i can remember since then i played so many other characters it's hard to keep track of them all i know that there are some standout ones um like uh uh, uh, like uh uh tanklin shark fist a little little barbarian goblin shark fist yeah Uh, what a name yeah (laughs) Uh, my name is Tanklin uh, Sharkfist. <laughs> it is it is my honor to meet you. And so that oh that's my god, I got I got so many other characters. Uh, uh, but I have some that's stable great. ones that I bring back as like NPCs in various games, or like if I'm doing a one shot, I'll bust them out if it fits the the tone. Yeah, dude, that that's fucking great. Um, <laughs> uh, wow. 
Also, major shout out to uh, a fellow hunter in the group. What up? Uh, I'm I'm a hunter main in Destiny. I know Joel hates that shit, but hunters are the best class. I use all three. I just shit on you when I'm on hey, Warlock or Titan. I'm uh, also Hunter. Uh, hell yeah. It's all about that crayon power, baby. <laughs> all right, Brian. <laughs> go with your first character before we divulge into the Destiny stream 2. Well, two. Um, like I said before, like my first like dip into D&D was like in high school age, but like it's been so long that I can't really remember most of the character like i think it he it might have been like a barbarian or a fighter i'm not sure so i'm just gonna go with the first character i made when i when i played D D with uh our current friend group um this was back in uh fourth edition um his name was sar and he was a a, a shade executioner assassin basically my idea for this character is okay I'm just going to make like the most least brooding character I could possibly make. And so his, his backstory was kind of like, he doesn't, he doesn't quite understand his creation being like a a shade being. He doesn't quite understand. Like he just, all he remembers is kind of being like in the world for a cent. And he's just kind of been like wandering on his own. And so eventually he winds up meeting the group that he ends up teaming with. And in a way, it's like he's kind of just trying to understand like what it like what it is to like kind of be like with people. A shapeless, he's a shapeless form that is trying to find his shape in the world, like for a lack of a better term. Um, and I kind of just created him as like, oh, it's like you know, he's kind of like a small assassin character. It's like he's probably gonna like die soon. I can just kind of get get back into the wheels of D and D and. To this day, he somehow survives any like battle he's in, like to like the smallest slither sliver of hell. I don't understand it at all because I don't know. Like then again, it's like back when you're like starting fresh, so it's like your character creating skills weren't aren't as good when you start, and that kind of slowly progresses over time. But I don't, for some reason, like he's just. An interesting character and i'm kind of sad that fifth edition doesn't have shades yet because i can't perfectly like transfer them over to 5e but one day hopefully hopefully they'll they'll make shade characters again gotta homebrew it man i thought, I thought they homebrew did homebrew no. it the DM. i i i remember um like when i was like making a character for our current campaign um uh dnd campaign and i was like trying to look it's like nope oh, okay well fuck it i'll do I, it I, I, I'll do it for hey, 10 bucks. Or you could give your character the Shadow Yo. Touch feature. The Shadow Touch feat. That's an option. Well, maybe. Got got some ideas now. Yeah. Yeah. What about what about you, Joel? What what was your first creation? <laughs> I see him laughing. Um, <laughs> I just want to say this character was hilarious because he crit when he needed to. He did die, and I played him as wrong as you could play a healer. He was a druid minotaur. Um, he was supposed to heal the team. His name was Omega Dreads, Omega by the way. Dreads. Going back to Omega, <laughs> Omega Red. Omega Dreads. Um, 
<laughs> and I would be like, I'm gonna DPS whatever's in front of me. I'm a fucking healer. I didn't understand at that time. So just Minotaur, I made him like six feet tall too. So we would fight like guys like five feet tall and you see this like Minotaur like running up to them. Um eventually he got a like a I made him into Thor. He got a, like a psychokinetic warhammer. The DMs oh, gave oh, it yeah. to me. He would throw it. I even talked to him. I made some destiny moves like, yeah, he's gonna shoot lasers from his horns. Can he DM? And they're like, okay, whatever. And then he missed like Nine out of ten times those lasers time. missed. Uh, oh. Yeah. And so it was and the fucking first day. I was like, yeah, he's a big fucking dick and he's going to wave it around everywhere. And everyone, I, I, you know, honestly, I would forget about it and be like, hey, his dick is imposing. Like the DMs remembered like, oh, this guy's <laughs> threatening. Like I forgot most of the time. And they remember I was like, oh, he has bloody underwear, the weird minotaur with the huge penis. And <laughs> the DMs were just on it. I'm so I'm so distressed listening yeah. about Omega. Omega <laughs> right? Yeah. His first mission, yeah, he was like at the bar trying to be cool. And then like the DMs, I I did like a bad roll or something. I like I stepped on a gnome. And then these gnomes just overran this this giant minotaur at the pub. And that was my first character. R.I.P. Technically, he's in the underworld trying to escape. I missed but, I missed Omega um, Dreads. That was I miss him. Damn, like he 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 went out bad, <laughs> but he had some great moments. Speaking of, I was gonna connect it. Um, if you guys have a favorite moment, or maybe top three you can think of, like you could pull from that and share it with us. One of mine, okay, I have a few with Omega Dreads, but one of them was literally that same day, my first day with Omega Dreads. Uh, I forgot who I was with. I was on a boat, and we were gonna fight Myrmidons or like evil Mer people, right? And I was like, I want to throw the fucking boat at that Myrmidon. He's being an asshole. It's like, how are you going to do that? I was like, I'm going to jump out the tip of the boat, grab it over my head, and throw it. And they're like, that's impossible, bro. Roll. And of course, I did it. And <laughs> I was like, this is what D&D is about? Like, that first game was like, it. And that was just like a great moment, I think, which like the players like live for. The, the crazy bullshit we, can, we can't do, but we can, you know? It's... It's 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 just really fun, and uh, I'll just that's one of my favorite moments I have. Uh, let's go backwards. Let's go back uh, this way, the way we we came. So let's go then. Go to Brian. Well, and think of a favorite moment you well, have. Well, I I have one right off the top of my head, and it involves Omega Dreads. And, and I Sar. think I know so what it is, actually. The campaign that our characters were in for Four E uh, was was based around WoW. And so we were it, do, the part of the campaign where we we're going through Blackwing Lair. Was it Blackwing? We were uh, gonna be on our way to fight the dwarf, the giant volcano guy. Sorry, Fernando, you're gonna hate me. I don't remember his name. Uh, we were like in a cave though to fight like a moss monster. We were like on the way to a dungeon, so something like that. We we ended up finding one of like the the big bads, like captains, and it was like this like dwarf leader. And he somehow trapped us in like a battle arena, and so it became this big, huge like gladiator like combat arena. And so you had a whole bunch of like dwarven forge masters like kind of like watching around like on the top, and it was just like a gauntlet of us like fighting people. And at first they really hated us, but we just kept doing so well that um, the crowd started coming onto our side, and so. Uh, we were fighting this, it was like this big, uh, like lava creature or something like that. And, um, it's probably a, it was like elemental. an elemental creature. And, um, we asked the DM if Sar and Omega Dreads can do like a tag team combo. Cause we're like, we're getting into the arena style and like, yeah, sure. And so what we did was, um, I had, we had Sar run up 
Omega Dreads. And he kind of did like this big jump and like threw Sar into the elemental with his like dagger covered in poison out and just like went ramming right through their head, killing the monster. And then right afterwards, we just started doing like, yeah, and started like doing like wrestling poses. And the whole crowd started like cheering and like ranting. It's like, oh, this is fucking dope. Like, I just want to say we socially lubricated the audience. I was like, DM, can I point to one side and go, yeah, point to the other side? Yeah. And then he's like, do it. And then I was, we were rolling good. So the audience was like cheering for us. We were pointing to them. That's amazing. (laughs) It was was a, I I forgot about that one. Damn. Good, good memory. All right, Christian, you got one on hand? I got a lot. This is, this is, see, this is like, I dread this question um, because there's, there's, so many different types of experiences like there's my favorite moment as a as a gm there's my favorite moment as a player there's Mm -hmm. my favorite moment just as a person in the community so um i I think i think i'm just gonna go ahead and uh uh uh, try and stick to the prompt and like be uh pick my favorite moment as a player um i mean there's a there's a bunch i'm gonna pick the most recent one uh recently i was in a all-out level 20 brawl uh, 3v3 all level 20 characters you come in you make it you you stat up a character um and you do you, you just do battle to the death um and uh everyone came in with all these different combinations of like rogue or like or artificer or i'm a warlock with all these different multi-classes let, lets me do all these crazy combos and i came in and said i'm gonna be a healer in this level 20 all-out brawl where you can deal massive amounts of damage and no one else thought the same to do the same and um our team was looked like they were losing all of a sudden life cleric uh coming in with a divine intervention bring back my dead character heal everyone to full uh 75 75 through the way through the match we 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 win because everyone's just basically refreshed at that point um it was wow. the biggest upset of the the, the night. <laughs> we were we were like we were like toe to toe in the beginning, and then they got the upper hand, and we just start like it just looked like we we're gonna lose. And on my team, I'm like, don't worry about. It. We were in a secret chat. Don't worry about this. I got us. I'm the, I'm the hero, remember? <laughs> Divine intervention. Um, and bring it back. It was okay. it was uh, it was fun. It was it was a good time. Everyone was like, I appreciate having lost to that. So. That's my favorite part. That's my favorite of recent memory. Dude, when divine intervention works, it fucking works. At level 20, it just works automatically. Shit. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. You have a guaranteed, you, you got a guaranteed basically wish or true resurrection or something um, at that at, at that level. And no one ever remembers because no one ever plays at epic levels of D&D. Nope. Damn, healers. We're working on it. <laughs> we'll get there someday. We're working on it. We're slowly, slowly. My my ranger, she's slowly getting there with a raspy voice. <laughs> Bring me in. Yeah. I'll run a level twenty <laughs> brawl for you. <All> right. <laughs> Maybe we should do that later. Uh, just re- like a an actual recording of us playing D anD D of that brawl. That might be fun. Uh, all right, uh, Joby, you got a memory on him? Yes, I do. Um, so my poorly named the elf wizard uh is in this campaign our dm created a whole new world for us to fuck up um as pcs do um and there's this one 
one like there's a series of sessions where we were on a like on a boat going to the next area and right and we had to like go through this kind of like ravine like situation um and right before we got there um we discovered these like little insectoid things that like shimmered in the sunlight and basically created like a charm effect uh if you stared at them for too long or if you failed the the saving throw basically um and there were these you know two npcs that we saw on like a little dinghy you know like i think it was like 80 feet off the bow of the boat and they and we were being attacked at the same time by Tosculi, which for those of you who don't know are these like wasp-like creatures that you know they're extremely xenophobic they eat eat other humanoids um and the, you know this hive of Tosculi were coming into attack and i just remember my character jumped off the boat being a sea elf with my swim speed you know charging full dash and one of the really insanely cool features of sea elves is this uh this feature called friend of, uh, friend of the sea yeah friend of the sea so using gestures and sounds you can communicate simple ideas with any beast that has an innate swimming speed and i basically aquaman this this scene this moment uh I told my DM, I want to communicate to all the fish in this river to swim forward and basically like jump out of the water and start eating these insects out of the air. And my DM was like, okay, roll for it. See how well it goes. Make a persuasion check on these fish. And I rolled a nat 20. <laughs> fucking nailed it. And next thing I know, nice. like literally Aquamaning it, like swimming all these fish are coming out of the woodwork eating these bugs and then i was like and i want to take it to the next step i want to die like jump out of the water as like pre like cresting over the boat grab these two there uh there um there were halflings in the boat grab these two halflings and then like flip them back and like dive back into the water okay go ahead roll for it and i rolled another nat 20 on an acrobatics check oh. just back to back i got inspiration from my dm for that moment and it was highlight of one like one of the highlights of the campaign for me i can only imagine how those halflings reacted they were terrified when like <laughs> they, they, they came out of the charm like underwater not knowing what the hell was going on <laughs> they were terrified and i had to like uh being being uh you know for, for flavor i gave my character the the telepathy uh feat um so i'm like mentally oh. communicating to these guys like calm down i'm here to save you but my dm was like dc's too high on this like it's gonna be a, like a, a dc 30 to convince them to calm down because they're in full panic mode and so it was, it became like a you're swimming back to your boat while these other characters are trying to swim away from you. It was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to role play in that moment. All right, man. So I'm bad at remembering details to things, but uh, I think my uh, well. So I was playing kind of an indie tabletop role playing game where there were no GMs. Everybody's basically kind of a player and a GM at the same time. Love that. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, it's called Children of the Fall, which was basically like it's next door meets zombies. Yeah, that's probably a good description of it. So basically, you start off that as a kid, fun. but once you turn like a teenager, you like you lose your mind and you go crazy. And uh, yeah, so we were playing like this eh, like short campaign where we it was like with one of my friends from college and like some other people from this meetup group and it was like me and my friends and we became like basically these two opposing heads against each other and we were like making our own factions and we were like murdering other kids because they were like doing wrong things or we didn't agree with it um so just lots of violence and lots of eels this. But I think at the end, uh, I remember us being like, okay, no, we gotta stop this because there's a bigger threat and something like that. It's very cliche. And actually, I don't know if I'm remembering that right, but I think that's how it ended. Like, just very high emotions. And eventually there was like some sort of like resolution where we were like, okay, we have to like mutually agree on something. And it's just a very roller coaster emotions. And it's very enjoyable. Yeah, right on. I think uh, this is this is a difficult question, even for me. You know, it, it, what's crazy is I feel like every single session something happens that's just like awesome or hysterical or like makes you you know think about your character or about the story in a way that that really surprises you. And like as much as I I've, I want to pick a um, you know like a really awesome moment where our character when my character did something like really fantastic, honestly, what what really like comes to mind are like some of the very silly things that happens in the campaign, and uh, so one of the things that is happening with this this mines uh, kind of the classic five E um, is we we are kind of going through this dungeon and uh, we are looking for this guy and we couldn't find him but what we, we did find is like this little storage area and in the middle of the room there was like this pool of water. And so all of our characters kind of like wander in and uh, we're like, well, we got to investigate what this pool of water is. And so we go over my character who's supposed to be really good at investigation. So I roll and I roll, I think, a, a three. And so he goes, well, it's uh, it's clear, but it's it's like not clear. And then the next character who's a, a bard walks up and he also has good <laughs> investigation. He rolls a two. And so he goes, it's 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 air, but it's heavy. It it gets your clothes soggy. And then the barbarian comes up and we're like, OK, well, somebody's got to roll a good investigation. And she rolls a nat one. And he goes, it's. <laughs> wet <laughs> he can't describe what it ultimately is and it was just like a bath that's all it was but like we, we kept rolling terrible and terrible rolls on our investigations and it just made us just yeah, die well, laughing because we just got worse and worse yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's wet i don't know it's, it's air but it's heavy it was just making the us same laugh. side of that coin i was gonna ask you guys memorable crit fails um, if you have any on hand, I have a few, oh humorous God. or not. Um, if you have like an epic one, maybe that, you know, just throw it out there. Uh, I don't know if we can go back for, to you, Josh, if you have one other than that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, this is in the campaign that I'm running with usual, but um, in the boss room, there was a really great interaction oh, yeah. where I replicated my character 
because because the boss was was making our our characters attack each other, and so I replicated myself to uh, hopefully the boss would target my uh, my clone, uh, my illusion, and. I rolled a nat 20 on that, so the boss was definitely going to target my clone, but one of our buddies rolled a nat 1, and so I sent that clone to, like, kind of, like, block the, you know, the attack that he was definitely going to take. Um, and so uh, his nat 1, I guess, is what it would be. But then it reversed the next, the very next roll. I rolled a nat 1, and he rolled a nat 20, and so he covered me on the attack, which was yeah, really I remember cool. that. That was, that was fantastic. Like, it was like a, it was like, a hot mess that ended up being like the perfect like amalgamation of like crits and fails back to back. Yep. Yeah. A uh, little context too. Uh this is the Morant mission. Samara's loyalty mission from Mass Effect 2. Uh I made Morant uh instead of doing like dominate what you get, she dominated the whole team, meaning they would turn on each other. Just a little context for everyone. And they did fight each other and shoot each other, and it was hilarious. All right, let's <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Matt. Let's see if he it was great. Uh, really, really great. I forget whose campaign it was, but I know we were like kicking ass and we were like winning all these fights. But then it came to fucking holes, and we just kept rolling terrible. We were like all these great heroes, and all of a sudden we just can't do a simple thing. It was just like jumping across a little. I think that was mine. My my first homebrew. We just did. I was like, "Yeah, it's pitfalls. It'll slow them down, so I can think of something a little better." And you guys were yep. fucking up, yep. for lack of a better term. Yep. Literally, like nat ones yep. into the pitfall. I was like, "My God, you guys, please!" <laughs> and it was, and everyone's like, "We got it." Nope, 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 no. Nope. It was, it was great for me, but I was also phased for me at the same time. We were doing so oh, well man. up until that point. Yeah, the ads were nothing yeah. for you or traps. No, but oh, hole, nope. hole in the ground. No go. DMs, GMs, take note. Hold the ground. On point, please. <laughs> or don't. Uh, <laughs> I think... Oh, all right, Joby. Oh, oh, go uh, ahead, go I ahead, think go ahead. Uh, my, favorite, uh, crit, my favorite crit fails are the ones that mean something. And so... Um, I was playing a game where my character uh, received, like has a, has a ancestral weapon, an, an ancestral um, short sword that has been passed down in the family and it means something to them because they are trying to find their balance between tradition and progressiveness and pragmatic like pragmatic stuff and so during a battle um there was a there was a role that i had advantage on and so i rolled and rolled two ones two ones Oof. and our house rule Ooh. was that your weapon either gets disarmed or breaks and you gotta like when you when you crit fail on on something of this particular role you got to roll off again and then it pulls that you, you reference a table to see what happens i rolled yet another one after that three ones in a row oh no throw that dice away that die away throw it away i don't know where it is it's gone um wash it it uh yeah. beyond jail <laughs> But um, I used an exa example from the rest of my dice. I melted it and made all the other there ones watch. Go. No, um, <laughs> I said it's a dice hell. <laughs> That's how you um, do no, it. So the, when, you, when a die rolls three nat ones, like you, you got it in a row. Uh, or, you got it. or yeah, that just means your luck is is coming back, and you're gonna roll three nat twenties eventually. That's how that works, right? Um, <laughs> no, so yeah, that's how numbers work. You think so? So you the reason so. why I say it, uh, I love nat ones that that matter is because that weapon breaking was. Uh, a a good narrative point to move forward away from tradition and forge your own path that isn't tied to uh, the path that was 
lane before you by other people's decisions. Um, and so it turned into this whole subquest of like, um, I'm without a weapon. I'm trying out all these different things and I need to forge my own path, forge my own weapon. So that, that like, first of all, having advantage, rolling two nat ones, ass. But um, <laughs> it turned into this whole transformative experience, which uh, lent to role play, lent to exploration, lent to all these other things. And so that I think was a really good uh, play on my GM's part to make it mean something, to make it more interesting than, oh yeah, you drop your weapon and combat continues and you have to struggle a little bit. Instead, it turned into combat ends, um, however it's gonna shake out, but your character now has new things to, to consider and it affects you outside of just this one instance. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my favorite one. And that's why I was like, when this question was posed, I was like, oh, cause three nat ones hurts. <laughs> yeah. That sounds painful, man. <laughs> really painful that's so cool though i mean it really lends to like just the the beauty of this game like it's not just about succeeding all the and time I, it's about yeah, creating that, really that's awesome like, that's like for me for my, my personal that, philosophy you know, of that is that's up to the players the game doesn't necessarily facilitate that that table is a homebrew table like that the the that rule is a homebrew a home like a house rule so um yeah, you're right. Like this game, the 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 stage that is set before us by Dungeons and Dragons CTRPGs is controlled by our imaginations, which is why I go always go like, you're the fucking GM. Do whatever you do whatever do whatever you want as long as everyone's having fun. I don't know that that that's uh, I I can talk I can soapbox forever. <laughs> all I know is I'm gonna fuck up my characters you're now. Welcome. Thanks for that, Christian. Dude, all right, Toby. Yes, all the time. Um, Not right. once for everyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hate to be that guy, but I, I never rolled a nat one in my what? entire campaign. Fuck I you. rolled, I oh. I rolled poorly wow. on occasion, but I never rolled a nat one in any of my rolls. So literally, your RNG in Destiny and Dungeons and Dragons yes. is broken. Yes, That's what I'm. Hearing. I Jesus has <laughs> smiled upon me for some ungodly reason. Uh, not for long. Now no, that you I know. That's so many ones. That's why so I'm. You, you, it, it's so many ones are coming your way now. I am. <laughs> I am knocking every wooden thing around the you. Bad luck, because for the same reason that Christian just said, I I truly believe that the just the nat one being a thing being possible leads to so much like hilarity and creativity and character development and growth, both you know, as the character and as the player. Um, and I'm actually sad that I never rolled a nat one. I'm, I'm, I feel like I truly missed out. Uh, you know, I, I think the closest I got was like, I rolled a two on an attack roll. And like, oh yeah, that misses. Like, okay, go next. Like, it's not, it's not exciting. It doesn't create those fun D&D moments that you hear about from other people that you see on TV that you that you read about on on Reddit and other you know like uh, like internet sources like that. I, I feel like I truly missed out. Yeah, that's how you get Pippin summoning all of the fucking goblins in the mines of Moria. Like that, that exactly. That's that one right yeah. there. <laughs> all of a talk. <laughs> <laughs> that is a nat one. That's great. Well, Joby, I hope you feel the same way. And your next ten rolls are all ones. I just come back to us. 
and let us know like hey y'all i got some ones and you know what i'm gonna step back i'm gonna back that, i'll tell you what the next time the the first time i roll in that one i will let you know you better yep. you text me call me you, you i'll tell, tell you the you whole story me. of what All right, brian give us your epic fail or hilarious or whatever i could tell you the character that i've had the most critical fails with and that's um with the current uh, massive my massive character trez so for like a little backstory trez is like a ex-mercenary turned into i guess like elite like space force captain i guess is that the best way to put it um and he's about in anybody yeah. that knows mass effect he's a biotic like adept user um for anyone else this is kind of like he's kind of uses the force in a way like he uses kind of like eternal like yeah, he's, he's a space wizard with pretty the much yeah. um and so like i can't i can't really pinpoint like a critical like failure that um like stood out to me but i there was a short period of time where a lot of a lot of his roles were very bad and it was always when he was using his biotic attacks so it's just kind of so after a while i was kind of like looking at this okay how can i spin this into like a story beat for him and so what ended up happening was the more times he would kind of fail at using his biotics it's because he never got properly trained by anybody and so it's either he tried to fake it for so long but now he's a part of this big group that really relies on everybody kind of being on track that all those fails that he kept doing led him to kind of like go through the channels of like biotic users he knows and kind of like pick like pick their brains and kind of like try to better himself through all of those failures to the point where um we uh we recently got um I'm very bad at Mass Effect 2 characters. Um we just we just teamed up with her this last mission. Samara, Samara? thank you. Sorry. Um and so we just we just picked her up after uh her mission and she he kind of went, okay. It's like you were probably like the most badass biotic user in this whole galaxy. You know, I just wanna like try to up my game. I just wanna like try to be better. It's like what can you do for me? And she's like, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to teach you something. And so through that process, I, he ended up learning a new ability, um slam. And so ever since then his he's just gotten progressively just more consistent. And so it's kind of neat to kind of push it into that direction to the point where now it feels like Trez is on this kind of like upswing into becoming, you know, He's becoming better, but he's becoming better for the right reasons instead of kind of like watching out for his own back. He's he's progressing because he wants to do better for his team. And so I know it's not exactly like a funny crit fail moment, but I felt like in recent memory, I felt that was kind of like a very interesting like how to turn this negative into a, like a positive for the character and like in story progression wise. Yeah, that's it's important, like the rebirth, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I like that uh, you and Christian kind of had that same theme, like you you rebuild and you move on. The story is really interesting when you're growing, and how do you, how do you grow without conflict, without without 
you know, failure. So I, I that that's kind of like where my philosophy about crit fails and, and and interesting storytelling comes from. Always looking to the horizon, Skywalker. Anyway, um, got the Star Wars in here. Uh, I would like to drop a few actually, just to kind of tie in all those. So, uh, Matt, you might have been on this one. You too, Brian. Um, I did a homebrew and we did like the <laughs> Mass Effect's kind of like futuristic suicide squad we did uh like fantasy suicide squad and i had this guy this because i kind of wanted to play too it was you know dnd is just fun so i was dming gming and i had a character named tom dangerous oh yeah and he would be over the top dumb he would like you know walk in explosion he was like john wick of the fantasy world right and the thing is like i would help him to throw him in it's like oh the team's kind of struggling but i don't want to throw him a bone tom dangerous will come and take some damage right and so I had the team finally fight a dragon. I was like, oh, this is Dungeons and Dragons. We haven't fought a dragon yet, right? No one said anything. Nobody cared. But I was like, we need to fight a dragon. Long story short, Tom Dangerous is like, I'm going to help you guys. And I rolled the best nap one I could have rolled because it was my own boss against my character. So what he did was he like, okay, they were like in a underground, you know, layer. There was a hole in the, the ceiling where Tom Dangerous could ent enter through skydiving, you know, through like a parachute balloon thing. And so I devised that his failure is like he was diving in through the hole, of course, and the dragon just eats him. Like he straight up just dove into the dragon's body and we didn't see him anymore. I didn't elaborate. He was gone and no one tried to save him. No one cared. They're like, oh, good. Tom Dangerous is fucking gone. Like they, I, as far as I know, everyone hated him and it was just extra hilarious. That's exactly how a character like Tom very, Dangerous, yes. Leroy, named Tom Dangerous, should like go very, out. Is by yeah. No, he was. And I don't know how he made it yeah. that far, honestly, until that moment. I was doing some dumbass shit, and I was like, yeah, he's really cool. And no, the group didn't think he was cool, I think. But yeah. <laughs> and he he went out that way. And they the team did – someone else did get eaten by a dragon, but they saved – someone else is like do you want to save tom dangerous and everyone's like uh <laughs> oh, fuck that guy so r.i.p tom dangerous um <laughs> for the transformative fail uh with omega dreads we were fighting the last boss of the dungeon and my dumb ass was deciding with my healer to go th all you know chris hemsworth thor on him with the hammer and i was failing missing my shots that you know i said i got lasers i even said the dm i can't miss dm rolled like a three <laughs> <laughs> it was just bad and then we go to the death saving throws and i was like fucking pissed because he was like i was finally getting omega dreads down and he died and from that i got lauren axis this druid who summoned like a familiar badger he was really annoying to the dms because he would make you know i'd make annoying noises he would heal too and i finally got like the healer thing down but again his failure was also going into a dark dungeon layer and not lighting the cavern, and he got like a sneak attack. So good, good job, Lauren Axis. Um, and then I got my current character, who we're gonna play. I'm gonna play as tomorrow. Her name is Artesia. She is a Kanku Ranger, like a Bird Lady Ranger. She she has like a Marge Simpson voice. She's like, "Hey guys, yes. uh, that's what I do for her." <laughs> and uh, she honestly, um, I've grown the most attached to her because she she's dominated. Her, um, we're going to go from this. This is what I'm talking about. I'm going to go into it. But her first match uh, or game, we fought a dragon that is kind of like Morant. She like dominated people's minds and they would turn on the team and they would be thrown into like a, a throne world. It's like, oh, not only are you going crazy, you're going crazy in another world, not your own. And she, that was like her first battle and she barely got out. But 
the last like mission we played, I had to clutch it because our, one of our players healed the dragon to full HP. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> but I want to segue into you guys. What is your, if you have more than one, just maybe choose one or two. Talk about your current character you have right now. Mine was Artisha, by the way. Let's work it back. Well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll go first. So I, I already kind of talked about Trez. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about him. I'm going to talk about my current um, regular D&D character, uh, Krigsis. He is a furbolg uh, blood hunter. So when we start when we started doing our our 5e campaign um it was around the time where they actually released the blood hunter that um that was made by matt mercer and this was around the time where i started picking up on critical role it's like oh that's kind of sick and so in a way like this is like i don't want to i don't want to say any spoilers for anyone doesn't hasn't watched like campaign two yet but it was kind of like a combination of Talison's characters. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I have that. like the, the Blood Hunter and then the Fur Bulk like together. And then kind of his backstory is that he comes from like a tribe where everybody was kind of more about like being a healer. But then for some reason, like blood magic just came so naturally to him to the point where they actually shunned him and like banished him from the tribe. And so he kind of had to go on his own and with that he wanted to kind of prove that blood magic wasn't like the sign of evil he's like he wanted to kind of show that he could do good things with um being a blood hunter and so um yeah it's been actually kind of interesting because um i feel like the more i play him the more i kind of get to know him better not not only just like character wise but as just kind of like playing as the as like um the like archetype i'm trying to think of a so there was this one camp there's one like dungeon we were crawling through and then i just learned how to um i forgot what the name of the ability is but it's when you can use a freshly dead body as kind of like a puppet for one action and so we were kind of going through a dungeon we're kind of picking off like groups of enemies and someone managed to do like a like archery bow like sniper shot from across the hall and like he died like in the in like the middle of a corner and so what did i decided to do i decided to raise that body from the dead and have it lunge towards the guys that we couldn't see in the corner and i didn't roll a crit but i rolled pretty well so the guy's like oh what's this it's like oh, it's, it's a ghost and he just kind of like the the guards just started like going berserk and scattering we just like rushed around the corner and just started like taking him out as they were just like in a panic and i just thought it was like all right there's like being a blood hunter is not that bad but yeah i don't know i feel like Krigsis has bit was like the character i made when everything about D started to click with me in a sense so he like I really feel like like I had Sar, like from back then, but I feel like Krigsis is like the first character where I was like, "This is D and D," like th- like this is what D and D is in my head, kind of deal. So I I feel like he's still alive, thankfully, but um, we'll find out tomorrow maybe. Um, but you'll have a special place in my heart for a long time. Um, I guess I I can go next unless someone else wants to go. 
Joby. Joby, Joby, Joby. Um, Go Joby. Oops, that was my phone. <laughs> Go Joby. Um, I guess, so technically, this isn't my current character. He's going to be my character in our campaign two, which we haven't started yet. Um, his name is Josiah Aldrich. He is a an Asimar. Uh, and it's also my first ever multi-class character. Um, starting off, uh, we're in, you know part of uh, starting campaign two. We're all starting as level five characters, um, and I did four levels in fighter, specifically the gunslinger, um, and then one level in cleric. Uh, and I I did this because it fits with the flavor of this character. His like I you know. Without going too much into it, his his backstory, he basically joined. I I talked with my DM about this, and we, I I created a priesthood in his world uh, that he's created, and this character goes and you know joins the seminary. He he grew up wanting to be be a priest. Uh, he comes from a, a line of of priests. Um, his uh, you know his father, his grandfather, his great grandfather. Um, he graduates from the seminary. Um, and I kind of, I don't know if you guys know, there's that Korean manga, uh, priest, um, which I was obsessed with when it like first came out. Um, I thought it was super cool. So I kind of modeled this character after that, you know, this, this like this saintly figure who also, I, I don't like to be, to like create like murder hobo characters, but like he's a murder hobo basically. <laughs> Um, but like, so his whole story is like, you know, he, he picks his, he, he picks his deity. I forget what her name is right now, but she's, she's the, in the, like the classic, the canonical pantheon, the goddess of, of luck. Um, Alondra. Devandra. Yeah. Thank you. Devandra. Yeah. Boom. I'm a G. Boom. Look at that. Lore drop right there. Um, so that he, he picks his deity um and then he kind of goes out to start his flock and then decides to come home one day to his village and it's been destroyed um so he goes on this journey to kind of like find out information about these creatures that we encountered in campaign one and i i tied it tied his backstory back into campaign one um his you know these these creatures that we encountered there destroyed his village and like kidnapped his parents um and after years of searching, loses his mind, loses his faith in in his in his goddess, uh, and then she she comes to him one day after he's completely gone insane, restores his mind, and actually I went over this with my DM. Um, he's not an Asimar by birth; he's a human by birth. Oh. Um, and then the goddess basically turned him into an Asimar, uh, that's and that's really kind cool. of. And that's why I wanted him to be uh, a half uh, or a fighter slash cleric. You know, he's got these this like celestial healing energy about him. But he's basically like a crackpot. Like I've I've envisioned the like intro session in this like podunk town that we're all gonna start in. Him being on a soapbox, being like, "If you think your luck has run out, you know, fret not." The goddess will smile upon thee and you know you know that kind of shit um i haven't quite found the voice for him yet and i keep imagining he's got this like really deep southern louisiana drawl um but i can't quite get the voice right so i might just go for like 
might just go for some like Amarillo, Texas, like southern southern something, accent. Something a little like this. Yeah, you know, trying to do like a little Matthew McConaughey, and you know, I, I can't get it. I can't. Is yeah, out I can't do it right. Like, I, it's, uh, it's, it's embarrassing. Office, really, you're gonna throw that in there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Handle like this, but you want you want some more of a Savannah accent with molasses falling out your mouth. Yeah, fucking Joel. God damn it, pull me. Into uh, but I'm really excited about this character. I put a lot of work into his backstory. I put a lot of work into you know it went back and forth between you know he's you know he's an asimar and that he automatically i think he gets like healing like healing hands as an ability yeah. as an asimar um but then also watching critical role watching you know these cleric characters that they have in there and also playing baldur's gate 3 um and learning more that baldur's gate 3 really taught me more about like D mechanics um mm-hmm. just learning about these like support spells that clerics and other healers get you know like bless and sanctuary sanctuary yeah yeah exactly um and i was like no i really want him to be this like offensive support character you know so i chose specifically the war cleric uh because my dm was like well you know at level five the fighter gets to attack you know gets two attacks per attack action and you're really going to hurt yourself if you don't have that feature as a fighter at level five i was like yeah but war cleric gets to attack four t- uh, gets four uses of a second attack per long rest so i'm not you know kind of balance that out it, it feels kind of min maxi in that way which but uh i'm just really excited about this character if I make may make a suggestion, just watch. Yeah, Knives totally, out. absolutely. Watch Knives Out and pay attention to, to Daniel C- Craig's character. Oh, I love that oh, movie. Dude. I absolutely love that movie. Yeah. It's so that, good. That's how, that's donut hole at the center of the donut yeah. hole. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great movie, but you know, now that you brought it up, I'm... yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, now that you bring that's it up, I can probably bathroom. go rewatch that. And yeah, and then really and then like just 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 listen to Daniel Craig and just kind of like develop your accent off of him. Yeah, <laughs> and then wait for the sequels, um, which I am excited for. Go. All right, Christian, hit us with what you got. Okay, I feel like I'm in the minority in this group because I don't play that much Dungeons and Dragons. I expand out I, like about a year ago. I started to expand out and play other TTRPGs, and so um, I've already talked about a few of the Dungeons and Dragons characters that I already play. But um, so currently, I'm in one, two, three ongoing campaigns. Um, some of them are shorter. Some of them are like, uh, like we're on a break right now and doing um, podcasts and stuff. Um, so I guess I, like I'm in a, a Star Wars 5e, which is kind of like 5e, but but a lot of the rules have changed to fit more of the Star Wars universe. It's called Revenge of I the love Crit. That already. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, Revenge of the Crit, and uh, we just celebrated our 51st episode, I think. We're on a break right now for, like, mental health reasons, but the character I play in that is, uh, his name is, his name is Soren, uh, and he sounds, he's, he sounds, I based his, uh, I based his voice and his mannerisms kind of off of Thor, kind of, kind of sitting here in this register, and he's, he's a nice. chiss, uh, so if you know anything about Star Wars, um hell yeah yes. oh yeah emerald throne yes. red eyes yeah um 
blue bastard. Yeah. And so, so he, he he's uh, very much of a, a sharp shooter, someone who is uh, very charismatic. Very kind. Um, the way there there are some rules that uh, in, in the game that let you uh, in in sw5 i'd highly recommend going to check this website out if you're interested in running star wars but don't want to go into the established star wars game and want to stay a little bit closer to 5e sw5e.com you'll you'll love it and then that'll take you to uh, other places but um soren is a chis person uh, of a almost royal descent uh it's the the campaign is set in between episodes two and three and initially the canon started out you know, going off of the end of Attack of the Clones, and we've diverged from there. Our team has very much influenced the flow of time and and canon and multiversal events and such. And so he's uh, very. Uh, so I'm I'm going in and out of his voice. I'm uh, just thinking about him. He's very. He's he's like a sniper. Um, he, he's he's a very very sharp shooty, but he's also prefer. He also prefers to handle combat not a lot like conflict non-violently and lie and cheat and joke and disarm his and confuse his way through conflict and at the very last second is when he strikes um either from really far away or really up close um he's, he's very bad at mid-range um when it comes to combat but he's really good at reading a room there are some abilities in sw5e that allow you to take a stat and change uh change one skill so for those of you that are unfamiliar um skills in 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 dnd 5e all pertain to a certain ability so strength intelligence you know wisdom all that stuff charisma um the way i've built soren is i can use his charisma modifier which is maxed out for a for insight checks which is usually wisdom but his wisdom is at negative one and so i can like i can have him walk into a room insight check someone or like you know do i trust this person or do i believe what this person is saying the dm the gm will say okay roll me an insight check and i can use my modifier of plus five plus proficiency plus expertise to do get a plus 13 on insight when my wisdom modifier is negative one uh, and so nothing gets past soren and uh it's check it out play around with the rules they let you do some wild overpowered things but that's kind of how star wars is and so that's kind of that's my care i was just about to say that is star wars exactly <laughs> exactly so um yeah he's just kind of sits uh he, he imagine like uh like a like like a um, very charismatic very like thor but loki you know so uh mm-hmm. <laughs> um that that's that's kind of like the 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 character that i'm playing but there's i'm in a bunch of stuff right now i'm i'm playing um uh uh i'm in a game called uh lost um, uh lost across the fence which is set in the amory wars universe by uh coheed and cambria frontrunner claudio um oh, so, oh i've heard yeah, about that so so if for those of you that don't know the frontrunner of coheed and cambria claudio uh all of their songs all their albums are based on this um graphic novel series called the Amory Wars or Amori Wars. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it or say it. Um, but I'm currently in a campaign, a short campaign, about five or six sessions long, um, set in that universe. And it's on, it's, it's, I'll, I'll plug it later, but, um, that is more of like, I'm this audience insert in this like wild and fantastical space opera, um, world. 
and I'm the audience enter. I'm a regular person experiencing all this supernatural space uh, fantasy bullshittery. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun being that character, being that audience insert, because it's an exercise of um, what we're, it's an exercise of what we're willing to accept as ridiculous or believable in a setting. And so it's, it's really fun. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, because it's streamed, we have a camera aspect and I do a lot of like, looks to the camera like Jim Halpert from The Office. Um, uh, <laughs> people get a kick out of that. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in a bunch of other stuff, but those are the two that really stick out right now. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, I just wanted to say it honestly sounds like you made like Australian Thrawn. Honestly, okay, <laughs> I just wanted to put that out there. All right, um, all right, Matt. It's funny how we're all talking about how like we're getting super into like backstories and that sort of thing, but my two characters that I have right now, I did not put much effort into the backstories. Basically, I have an Elcor uh, who's named Fanthy. I basically made meme characters. Yes. Uh, uh, and all he does is like shoot things and like punch things and uh, do little one-liners every now and then. Uh, and then my other one is basically just like a min-maxed uh, life cleric. I originally made him for one of our other friends because uh, he kept dying. And I was like, here, take this character. It's not going to die. <laughs> uh, but he didn't use it. <laughs> Uh, Dude, that's what that's what I ran for the level twenty all out brawl. They don't die. <laughs> they don't die. No one dies yeah. with a life cleric. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, all I got going. Uh, I just wanted to have a character that just wouldn't die, and yeah, it's a turtle. You just need those. Hey, that's the you need those simple characters that you can it's... just hop into at a, at a drop of a hat. Yep. 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 That's a comic yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. This... Basically, it's okay. one rule. Don't die. Heal everybody else. <laughs> I just want to say... Well, you've been doing that pretty slow. I just want to say one thing, though. For, for Fanfi, I, I appreciate that you, this whole time, have stuck to speaking as an Elcor. Yes. <laughs> is, is the best. I, that's like one of the things I love about Elcors, is that they always speak their emotions. Yes. Because they literally can't convey, so they have to be like, with great anticipation <laughs> and then they'd say something or like with arousing success or you know, mm -hmm. like, it, it increasing me of like drac you know a drax from uh oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah there's no there's oh, no yeah. subtlety there's no like beating around the bush it's very direct very literal and it's Imagine great because like at the end of the day i'm tired and then i just have to say what i'm like supposed to be feeling and i don't have to work that hard <laughs> <laughs> no subtext whatsoever yep yep all right josh you're up uh, so I, I guess I've kind of already explained, uh, two of my characters, at least to the depth that I want to, considering oh. who's listening in. Um, but, uh, I guess I could talk about my Goron's backstory a little bit. So I'm trying to keep his backstory, um, cause we're doing Ocarina of Time specifically for Zelda. So, um, we, I want to keep it in Zelda in the Zelda world as much as I can. Um, and so when, when looking through and trying to decide the backstory, I was like, well, okay, so he, you know, he grew up in Goron City with his parents, and then I was like, 
now that I think about it, I don't. I've never seen a female Goron, so like I had to look it up. It's like, okay, well, is it like dwarves, like other uh, female Gorons? We just don't see them very often, or do they look like males? And I, I guess there are no female Gorons. Like that's a, a thing in Zelda. There, are, there are only males, and so I was like, okay, well then, how do they reproduce? And there's just no information. You know, it's like Yoda, where we just don't know what he is or where he's from, and nobody ever decides to talk about it. <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, my my backstory for him is is he's just he he like wakes up under like immense pressure and like his brothers, which are any Goron, they're just all brothers. There's no father sons or anything. They just mine him out of the rock, um, and that's that's how I decided that they reproduce is that they're just like in the stone and they kind of like manifest. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, he, he pops out, and so he he like works as a jeweler and. Um, he, he likes working on weapons from Big Goron, who's like their big blacksmith. And, um, yeah, so I guess, like, and Eric, our DM, hasn't really uh, specified exactly where in Ocarina of Time it oh. is, but he did say that we have to start as children. So I can only assume he's gonna, he's gonna do, um, like a master sword pull and, and a, and a transport to being a, an adult at some point. But, That's very interesting. Yeah. It's like... Because when you have to create a character based in an established universe, but it's an established universe that doesn't have all the pieces, at least at this moment. So it it lets you kind of have a little bit more creativity yeah. in, in a more confined like world. So the moment you like mentioned like how your Goron just kind of like was chiseled out of the rock, I immediately thought of Steven Universe. Yes. Thank you. Oh my the, god. The, the I, I was gonna bring farm. it up. I was, yeah. The, the yes. kindergarten. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Uh just having to come up. I mean, so here's the funny thing is my sister is um she's in the campaign, but she knows nothing about Zelda, but we still wanted her to be a part of it because it's gonna be like a siblings game. And so she's like, Well, uh, what if I'm Bender <laughs> from Futurama? And Eric Eric, our DM is a huge Futurama fan, and he's like, he's like, all right, uh, with some with some rules, like you have to be part of the game. You can't be Bender from Futurama, like trying to destroy the party all the time. So, like, how do we introduce this goofy sci-fi character into Legend of Zelda? And so he came up with this idea where, uh, like, the the scene opens, the very first day opens, and it shows Link and Navi. Um, you know, like kind of walking through a Hyrule field and a portal opens up in the sky and Bender falls out and crushes them. And that's how his story just starts. Oh, <laughs> so it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he interacts with everybody. Yeah. Flailing in the sky, right. plummeting to earth. Yeah, plummeting to this. Because I mean, like they do that in Futurama oh, yeah. plenty of times where they end up in places they're not supposed to be. That's I think that's truly D&D. You literally end up where you're not supposed to. No matter how much we plan, I can't say how many times, like, literally map it out. It just, if I put A, B, you guys go to, like, Z times a thousand somehow. You find a way, and it's great. Every time, it, it's great. We fight the boss off the bat. That happened our first, uh, or it's like our first or second session. We ended up fighting the boss, like, first, and then the rest of the dungeon. That's pretty cool, actually. Ba a backwards dungeon? I like that. <laughs> yeah, we, we, like, we, we found, like, this, this, like, kind of secret door that led to like the back of his boss room and uh targeted literally him first it was a bugbear which was our again it was like the first day so he didn't want us to die 
and we killed the bugbear and then all of his little minions freaked that, out like and started to scenario. run like you 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 hit the boss fully rested with all your spells and all your abilities like intact full hp and then you have a chance yeah. to like, like kind of like the grunts in halo they see their commander go down they're like ah, run away <laughs> grunt birthday party <laughs> exactly um just wanted to hit you guys with a few more fun things. I think we're uh, nearing the end. It's been I, I've been having fun listening to everyone's like experiences and stories. I hope you guys are too. Um, I just wanted to some fun little questions. So, how many pairs of dice do we all own? So I'll go first. Um, I have two. One of which Matt has gifted me. Um, the first pair I have hardly used because they were definitely bad. They've just uh, forever. But uh, the ones you gave me, Matt, the black and gold ones, the metal ones, you've, you've seen them. Mm -hmm. I can, like, hit hella crits or hit hella ones. But I'd rather have that <laughs> than my other ones. It's, like, somewhere, like, blandly in the middle. That's, that's which, the purple that's the, ones. That, that's the story maker dice. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So, uh, yeah, I'll start there. Whoever wants to go next, go ahead. If you have one or a thousand yeah, I don't know how many dice I have. I have yeah. like a bag here <laughs> in Sacramento where I am, and then I think I have a bag back at home in San Francisco. I have like metal dice. Jameson gave me some dice. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't tell you how many dice I have. Yeah, lost count. Lost count. Yeah, yeah, same. Too many on my desk alone, which may, might be about 10%. I've got maybe one, two, three eight sets of dice and not all not all Damn. ttrpg dice like um like just a set of d6s for you know or uh uh there there's a there's a system called genesis out there that uses special dice and one of my friends got me that that doesn't use numbers but instead symbols on their die faces and helps you determine successes failures um dangers threats um advantages all that stuff um a lot of artisan dice I guess because I like I like supporting uh, artists and and creators and so I got I, I make sure to support local people and uh, and uh, indie people uh, in their in their craft and so I've got a lot of those I only have the one set currently which is probably appropriate considering my level but um, at some point I'll probably I mean, man, I got sucked into like the Etsy nightmare yeah. slash like mm -hmm. Wonderland of D and D stuff. Oh man, it's like some of the dice on there are so cool, and you just like you know, uh, I really like miniatures and dice and like all of the the textile stuff uh, that they have on there. So I I probably will. This is probably gonna grow pretty significantly. Yeah, I can only imagine. Say I have forty characters on my D and D Beyond, and I have a dice set for each of them. Nice. That's yes. the way to go, man. Why are you embarrassed? It's yeah. a lot of money that I've put into dice. It's an <laughs> dice are not cheap. They're not. Yeah, uh, especially like nice, like nice. Oh ones. yeah, no. I'm similar vein. I like to support artists that I see on Instagram. And Ooh, that's nice. Wait, hold on, hold on. All that. So I have I have a newbie question actually. So if if I'm really I'm level three right now, but it seems like you as you as you progress, it's going to be like oh you know two d eights and so like rather than rolling the same die over and over again, uh, is there like it depends on your class. It depends on your class. Like if you're a rogue, uh, or or like a paladin, you're gonna need a lot of like d sixes, and so 
you know, I've got, I've got like just these <laughs> that I got um, for, for like sneak attack or smites or something. Sometimes it's a D8. Okay. Sometimes it's uh, like if you're going to be running a high level D&D character, you don't want to roll the same D10 10 times for a firestorm attack, you know, um, getting a few of those, you know, it, it depends on the character. I, I'd say it's healthy to have. A, this is this is this is my. I don't. I, I'm. It's not healthy, but it's <laughs> handy. It's yeah. handy to have at least six d six. Yeah, and and four d eight. Yeah, I I agree. I think you should have extras of like the the main ones that you're gonna roll a lot of. So yeah, like d sixes, d d eights, d twelves, d tens. But yeah, it depends on the level of your character. I think if you're never gonna go past level like four, you know, easier to roll. I think at those levels, you're really rolling like two d six or three d six. But when you get to like level nine and up, you're rolling like eight d eight for blight, or you know, something <laughs> yeah. like that. It gets a little tedious to roll the same die like eight times and have to remember the num the you know the previous dice rolls. So I would recommend getting at least two or three. Yeah, or if you decide to branch out into yeah. other systems, like they'll use D like like a uh, uh, anything powered by the apocalypse uses two d sixes, but then sometimes you'll add dice uh, depending on the system that you're running to ridiculous numbers, and you don't want to roll the same two d six four times to to roll eight d six. You know, um, yeah. Um, I'm actually the opposite school of thought. I'll fucking roll it twenty <laughs> times or whatever. Um, That's actually a good. I point. just want to say. Uh, I, I like their idea because now they're like, oh, shit, I got to add on more damage. So thank you, too. Sorry, other people in my games, you're going to die now. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't mind rolling it many times. But also, that's a, you know that's just my way of thinking. Now that I hear it out loud, I'm like, oh, that's probably a good idea. So I don't have to roll it 50 fucking times. But that that's just how I operate. I'll roll it like five times or whatever, and then I'll remember. Sometimes it helps with the drama of it to roll. Like if you're rolling uh, instead of for damage, depending on the system again. Um, there's a there's a system out there uh, uh, called Tidebreaker, and your your successes are based on how many fives and sixes you you roll, and you have a certain pool of dice depending on the ability. So um, we had I was playing a game with one person that was rolling seventy sixes to determine whether they succeed or fail, and it was like you know you know that scene in the office uh, where where he's best of best of seven coin flipping, and the drama was just up uh, like like increasing and increasing it's like oh i rolled a one. Oh, i rolled a three. Oh, i rolled a five okay we got one five we need four five uh fives or sixes and it was just like the the tension was building so i that that's that's kind of a useful way to 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 add to the fun of it um if it rely hinges on success or fail um but damage i don't want to i don't want to wait until you roll 10 d6s <laughs> <I don't>, just <laughs> We've talked about critical role here, so I feel comfortable bringing it up. You know, like, like Travis Willingham, I'm pretty sure has, I think, like one set of die for each character that he's played, and he'll sit there, like especially when he was ro with Grog, his barbarian. Yeah, he was, he's, he's like sit there rolling one die like over and over again, versus his wife Laura Bailey, who's got a million die. So while we're sitting here telling you, you know, get die multiple die sets, it's absolutely personal preference, as yeah. is everything in D and D. But when dice look cool, oh, when you it's find a hard. Really, yeah, 
when you find a really cool die online that you're like, I got the money to buy that. I'm just I'll, you're gonna. I'll, I'll be right back. I'm gonna start showing my dice to the camera uh, here. <laughs> Sorry, audio listeners. I I I equate the I I find die to be kind of analogous to tattoos. You know, my my cousin is a tattoo oh, okay. artist, and she she taught me when I started getting tattoos. Uh, you, there's there's two kinds of people when it comes to tattoos. You're either the one and done, or you become addicted. It's the same thing with dye, with dice. You you either buy one set and that's it. You're you're good. You like you don't need more die more dice, or you become addicted to collecting dice. Mm-hmm. And it is like it's a it's a money sink. But then you get to you get to show off this beautiful collection of dice that like ooh. It's like There's a, so many beautiful like ones. Uh, for those who right. this this is just for everyone in the call. Yeah, like, yeah. So, like keep, keep going. I'm just yeah. Gonna... yeah he, uh, Christian is yeah. flexing his dice collection, and they, they look nice too. And now I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm a one and done. This, fucking this is where guy. I'm like, damn, I wish I had a camera. Because <laughs> uh, a, uh, a coworker, a friend of mine, she is getting into, um, she's getting into that kind of art. Resin. Resin. Thank you. Yeah, and. I convinced her to make me dice. Mm-hmm. And I basically forced her to spend money on tools to make dice. Uh, and I've got a pretty nice collection of dice that she made me. Um, it's only one set right now, but they're really pretty. I'll, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll say it again. Preference. Yeah, I like all personal preference. One hundred percent personal. I like having a bunch of dice and mixing and matching sets for characters and all that stuff. But the storage, the storage is the hardest part for me. Absolutely. Oh, why? Why would I buy a dice? Everywhere. Yeah. Why would I buy a dice box when I can just get another set of dice? Like, like it's just, <laughs> it gets worse. It's the same thing with my magic card collection. There you go. I've got a million cards at my apartment here. I've got a million cards at my parents' home that my dad wants me to get rid of. But I'm like, oh no, Dad, they're unsorted. I can't throw them away. I don't know what I don't. There might be money in those cards. I'm never gonna sell them, but there's some money cards in there for sure. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you guys before we move on to uh, my fun, I think fun final question. Uh, for those who've been playing for a bit, and maybe Josh, you can answer too. Um, how did you guys adapt to playing in the pandemic? Uh, with us, we we didn't even entertain meeting until this year at least for my group. And so we did the Zoom thing. Uh, I did the Zoom thing. I, I'm still doing it right now. Matt's in Sacramento. We, but next time he's in town, we'll try to all meet in person. Um, but yeah, uh, I just want to say we used, uh, what we're going to use tomorrow is this thing called Roll20. Oh, um, our friends set it up. But that's that's how we've been playing, uh, of course, safely and social distance-wise. Um, so I just want to ask you guys what methods you used uh, during this time, or if you did meet in person, hopefully you were, you know, using a mask and stuff. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you what to do. But I will stare at you <laughs> very uh, angrily if you weren't safe. Okay. But yeah, I just wanted to say we use Zoom and Roll Twenty for our campaigns. Um, we started our first campaign in person. Uh, we did, I think, like two or three sessions in person. So. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and we very quickly and easily transitioned to Zoom. Um, I think, you know, if you're not, we don't use miniatures or battle maps. So when you don't rely on those tools, Zoom is the perfect 
I think, resource uh, for for the current you know climate. Um, though we have reached the point now where you know we're getting higher level characters and remembering the positioning starts to get a little wonky. You know where we're like, I run thirty feet ahead. How far am I away from the enemy now? I don't remember anymore. Um, so we've started doing. It's uh, not Rule Twenty. There's another service online where you can like generate a map um, on on a grid. And so we've just been creating. We just started kind of creating maps. Uh, and then because it's all downloaded, uh, one person in our party will have to like edit the the JPEG and like draw on it and then send it to the Zoom chat and then update it every like three minutes as you know characters move around but otherwise yeah zoom is has been perfect for us yeah it's been it's been real crazy just the because i mean games like this are already like relying on like imagine it like imagination and creativity but when you get stuck into a corner where you have to do it like it a hundred percent all the way like you have to kind of not only picture like your character and like everybody else's character, but you have to picture the world and like the map you like look at normally all in your head. Um, that's why when we when we put use like roll twenty a little bit, it's like so interesting. And I I like, stop to think, it's like man, imagine if something like this happened back like way back in the day, like the hate like the early times of D and D, like that would that would be a killer. Cause like I like we're so fortunate to be able to you know hop in like a Zoom or a Discord or you know have an online service that can replicate what a tabletop is like. It's not the same, but like it hasn't stopped us in playing this game. Um, but yeah, it's it's very interesting to like go from being in a room together and feeding off of the energy, and then have to kind of like be on like on like a zoom call and it's kind of like like you have to deal with the the delay or sometimes you have to deal with people kind of dropping out depending on like their location like their service so it it has been a little bit tougher but i think it's also been an interesting experience like to to kind of like have a silver lining with like the reason why it's this way for at least last year um it's been an interesting like exercise in just kind of like relying on your like what's in like your head. And I was like, yeah, it's like D&D's like that, but it's still it can be tiring like having like a 3 to 4 hour session and then having to like work everything in your brain and just kind of picture everything that's going on in your brain. It also in that sense kind of forces you to lean into your like role-playing skills yep oh yeah and it's it definitely, definitely playing over zoom has made me a better role player in that sense you know yeah. i remember having a conversation with my dm so uh in our campaign one of one of our pcs died um and it was very uh you know for for the three of us who were new to the game had no experience with dealing with uh you know characters dying um and then we kind of like role played like a funeral thing for it 
and being on zoom it kind of forced us to like really step into our character and like how that character is processing that loss and you know my you know watching critical role but you know they they cry a lot on that show um and i i would watch it and my girlfriend would be there and she was like i don't i don't get how these people get so emotionally attached to these imaginary characters and then i'm sitting here you know doing this okay, funeral bro. thing for <laughs> for this character that that died and i'm like shit i'm getting misty eyed like i get it i get it now you know it, it forces you to really put your kind of heart and soul into it yeah i 100% agree with that because you're the the whole pandemic and uh, being online again zoom roll 20 discord uh uh what free for uh, not free forge something forge um really really put the onus on the role play aspect to 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 fill in that gap of entertainment uh, uh that that gap of fulfillment and it makes sense that you are that 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 you have a lot of emotion invested because you've told this story with like hopefully with some of your closest friends with a group of people and you've invested time thought energy into if you get a paper cut blood um into this uh this story and so it makes sense that you would get emotional you'd get misty-eyed teary-eyed you'd feel feelings for these imaginary characters that live inside of this collective imagine uh, imagination this theater of the mind especially if you um, don't have a webcam too you know? yeah and a if you lot don't have of a webcam, that that's even harder because you can't see the the emotion on someone's face you have to it goes off a of voice um there's a lot of uh gms out there that rely on the physical table the the react the the instant body language body yeah. yeah body language um and uh to, uh, to convey the story a lot of GMs had to learn different ways to describe stuff um, to make it make it land, make it hit in an online setting. Um, I will say, for me, like uh, be, like being on streams and stuff, like the the Zoom, Discord, Roll Twenty, all that stuff, not new. Um, but what was new uh, was the idea of the COVID pod. I would not have been able to get through the pandemic if it wasn't for this 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 concept of um you have a close group of friends friends that are nearby that have all agreed to uh, uh following uh, uh following the 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 covid safety guidelines being safe not going out uh very often stay so that you can meet in person and have that human connection um that covid pod was my D D group so every few weeks or so understanding that we're all safe we're all doing our best to to sanitize doing our best to stay stay safe and adhere to public health guidelines felt comfortable enough to gather together once maybe twice a month for a movie night or dnd whatever whatever it was that got me through covid that got me through the pandemic um we're still in a pandemic but the 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 worst part worst part of it yeah, get vaccinated, y'all. Yeah, seriously, get hey. vaccinated. Wear a mask. Holy shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wash your hands. Sanitize. It's, Social it's, it's important. It's free and easy. There's anyone. Please, combat misinformation. <laughs> I, I wish we were all important enough to be spied on with nanites and SIVA. <laughs> get your fucking vaccination. 
I'm, Please. I'm of, the, I'm of, I'm of the, uh, <laughs> the course of action where I'm spreading my own conspiracy conspiracy theories of like the vaccine takes the chip out, you know, or deactivates it. Coronavirus installed <laughs> the chip, chip into there. your body, it's and the vaccine there, deactivated it out. <laughs> the vaccine made me lose fifty pounds. There we go. You're, okay, that'll do it. Um, come, yeah, combat, yeah. combat delusion with more delusion. Fight fire with fire. Exactly. It's a it demagnetizing yep. vaccine. They're already in there. You just didn't never notice. I'm Magneto now. <laughs> Get your vaccine. Still, still waiting on these goddamn powers. Uh, yeah. So we've we've adapted in, in certain ways. And Josh, I'm guessing you guys are doing. Uh, you do Beyond, right? Is that what you were telling me? You guys do uh, Beyond. Oh yes. Yeah, we we use D and D Beyond, which is. Um, it's a pretty cool program. Um, yeah. What's nice about it is we can see each other's roles, um, which which helps keep uh, you know keep keeps you honest and uh, and it's also nice when we do multiple attacks. Like you can um, you can just click the one button and it rolls them. It's not it's not nearly as satisfying as rolling physical dice, like not even in the slightest. But um, it is nice to like be able to see the other characters. Like you can actually look at your campaign That's and see, cool. you know, create your little avatar for, for each of the characters. And um, it's, it's fun in that way. And, and, and as far as ad adapting to, um, you know, we, we do, I, we, I, like I said, I only started about a month ago. So um, restrictions being a little bit down, we decided that we were going to try to meet in person and, um, again, uh, just as Chris had said, we, we kind of formed our own bubble. We all agreed that we're going to stay safe, but we are going to meet, um, in person and, um, when we can, because uh, man, in the in-person, um, we've done, uh, two or three sessions online and I think three or four in person and, uh, the in-person sessions are just like, it's kind of night and day for me, um, especially as we're coming out of of being on zoom constantly you know through the last 18 months it's it's very refreshing to do something like this in person um but when we do have to meet online um you know we we do use a, a little map but it's not so much for like positioning our characters he, he does kind of a fog of war style where you know the dungeon will kind of little rooms will appear you're like okay now you're in this room and um which helps but with joel with your campaign it's really interesting not to have anything like that and so when we did it online it, it is it's a little bit more difficult but um it's fun in a different way because the, the the nightclub that we were all dancing in yeah. looks a little bit different to each of us and um yeah but yeah i, I think uh, adapting to, to yeah zoom i will wasn't say too bad for like for newer players i think it's a little bit harder to do zoom first because I tried doing that with some of my classmates uh, through Zoom, and they never played any like tabletop role-playing games before. They didn't have dice, so like trying to explain those types of things over Zoom is like uh, download this app, click this button. Uh, it's this one that you're supposed to click. Uh, I think if that if we were in person, it would have been way easier because I would have been like, here some dice. Definitely, Zoom is still a good way to like keep in contact and play with games with like your friends that you're used to. I think we also used Tabletop Simulator for one of the other ones that Nate did. Uh, I think we did, yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, definitely getting to start our campaign in person and then transition, I think helped. Uh, me as a new, like, brand new player, 
to this game. You know, getting that in-person experience and then having, you know, already building chemistry with your playgroup in person makes it easier to transition to the online play. So. I think I think for me there's a lot of people out there that you know can't do the in person thing. And so it's been a a I want to say it, it it's been a challenge, but it, it's also been really worthwhile trying to adapt this game, this hobby that we all love into something that is accessible for everyone. Like I would not be able to play with some of my favorite role players on the other coast, you know, if it wasn't for zoom and stuff and, and, and or introducing someone to Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or masks or any of these other TCRPGs um, that, you know, uh, uh, that I would never, never been able to play with before if it wasn't for zoom. And so adapting uh, things to, uh, the the online play for beginners uh, opens up different avenues to to play the game, and we're seeing a huge huge shift in this new generation of players for tabletop uh, tabletop gaming because of the pandemic, because it's all because of all, all this um, uh, 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 you know life finds a way bullshittery. Um, I, I like I stand by preferring the in-person session for sure but having it be online makes it so much more accessible for different experiences different people different systems different uh, ways to enjoy the game because of what we've all created in this in, in this traumatic time like um i don't know i again i can soapbox forever <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, thank goodness, you know, we have Zoom and, and Discord, and it, it is nice that you are able to connect. You know, that I think that's what's great. Even, I'll, I'll throw it back, I know we, me and Brian, we throw it back to Destiny a lot, but we played a lot. Uh, what they did with branching, like, that's what Zoom did for, is doing for people to branch them together. Destiny just unleashed crossplay. That has bridged so many people together to play together, like me and Joby. He can now play on PC better, he says, uh, with me hey, on hey, Xbox. Hey, hey, hey. So, <laughs> like so but it's box. just really, you know, there are ways to bring people together through technology, which is, it's just, just awesome, you know? And, and the best part if it happened like five years ago, I don't even know, like the pandemic, like, like, I'd be like lost. Like, I guess we, we let it die until it's safe, you know? Some of I mean, my favorite, like, like, like dreams have never been able would have never been able to be achieved if i if it wasn't for the zoom option you know playing with like le like legitimate uh, uh names in the industry or or fucking voice actors for shows and stuff would have never happened if it wasn't for the accessibility of online play you know like you can say oh i want to play with so and so well good luck trying to find a table with them at a con or, you know, meeting them in, in like LA or something. Um, if, if it wasn't uh, without this whole online option, you know, being able to stream and being able to, um, connect online grants you these different opportunities, which I, again, I, I, I am, I, my four years in, in tabletop gaming hasn't, it is a drop in the bucket compared to a lot of these other people. And I've are, and like, I've already been able to, um, have those experiences and push forward and bring people back, uh, bring people forward with me to, to, to enjoy different things. And so that's kind of where, where, where 
um, where I'm at, like increasing representation of marginalized folks. That's that's huge to be able to do that and and on such a public platform with streaming. I, I, again, uh, I. I I prepared all these different things to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) You came ready. You came with notes. The best part, though, is that a lot of these resources are adapting with us. Exactly. They're creating Mm -hmm. functionalities that allow them to be incorporated into Zoom or allow them to be way more easily accessible. Like D&D Beyond used to just be character sheet and source book there was no dice roller there was no initiative tracker there was none of that encounter builder encounter builder exactly there's none of that on dnd beyond it literally was just manage your character sheets and now you can play dnd entirely online and it, it's amazing so what you're saying is the next step is dnd vr i will 100 percent Throw does money. It, does it already that. exist? Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah, really? Yeah. Now yeah, you're talking. I, Tailspire. Tailspire. Uh, Holy was, shit. Tailspire is. Uh, uh, I'm not sponsored or anything, and I, I just love the product, and I want to try it out <laughs> and get into it. But it's a virtual tabletop, like like encounter builder. Uh, uh, um, you can have your different tokens and and whatnot, and build entire cities, and you can explore it. On, on your computer screen, and you can explore it in VR. That's it. It exists. It's happening. Oh, wow. Look it up, Tailspire. Well, I'm not getting an Xbox Series X now. <laughs> I guess that's it. <laughs> now I need one. Mine's about to die. Um, <laughs> oh, that's dope. Would you say Tailspire? Tailspire, This looks fucking legit. Yep. Anybody listen to this, go check it out. It's on Steam for 25 bucks. I am, and, and, Again, I'm in content creation and all this stuff. There are so many cool tools to make it turn into like an actual production and show. Like imagine being able to, you know, people follow like Minecraft people and, and all that stuff. Imagine being able to watch a D&D game as if it was a Minecraft game with all the little characters moving around, moving spaces, all these different things. Right wow. there, you can cam it and all that stuff, like like Halo yeah, Forge and, and yeah. all that stuff. Like you can make a whole narrative, almost like Machinima. Like, forget playing. Wow. Imagine content creation and production. Uh, <laughs> that's that's why I think it's. We'll have it's, to check it out. Like what things like D and D? That's like one of like the awesome things about it is just the the potential it has. Like D and D in the spectrum can be just like a bunch of friends sitting in a room, you know, just having fun, all the way like shooting to the moon, just like creating a whole entire world for like people to enjoy online or like you know mm-hmm. through that's, books or other media, you know. That's Crit Roll. That's Wizards of the Coast. That's uh, Dimension Twenty. Yeah. People have made movies. Oh, I love Dimension. What do you 20. think? What do you think the Last Witch Hunter is about? It's just Vin Diesel's D&D character. It's a movie about D- Vin Diesel's D&D character. I, I, I just want to stop you there, Christian. Um, it is, and uh, avoid. Sorry for anyone who loved it. Uh, avoid. Uh, unless you really, really like but Vin Diesel. that's Go what for it is. It. Um, I won't change. It, it is. No, it's uh, rooted in something great. Film-wise, Net- it is not. Uh, uh, the Castlevania series on Netflix, that's D D. Oh my god. Yeah. I oh my god. Me and Joel just oh. I'm literally okay. me and Joel just started we watching just, it. I just finished season four. Oh, just, so good. I it. For me, that's it's that's required. 
that is required. That that's required. It's mandatory. <laughs> I know people who listen to this podcast keep hearing me say it, and I'll say it until it happens that they need to start working on the Devil May Cry show because they're making. <laughs> he literally said that our last think... episode. I just want to point that out. They're ma- they said they're making it. I'm it would waiting. Translate well. It would. Oh. That'll be the day. But yeah, uh, recommended viewing, not The Last Witch Hunter. Most recommended viewing, if you love D&D, Gore and Ghouls, Castlevania on Netflix. I We're going to do an ep- a podcast about it. Um, I can't Bring praise me on. it enough. Um, bring me on. Yeah. I'm requesting it. <laughs> you are going to be one of look, our... We have already had a guest of mine. We can bring you I, on, too. I would love All to right. come on to that show. Okay. That would be amazing. <laughs> I have, oh, fuck. I have go. so much to say about that show. If I can make it. Oh god! It, I or, say that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let you know. Buckle up, nerds. We're gonna listen to Castlevania. <laughs> All right. Um, would like to leave on a fun. I think we've had a lot of fun notes, reminiscing. That that's just what I wanted to be. Kind of like our Overwatch one roundtable. Uh, a lot of good feelings there. I I had a lot of fun with this one. I just wanted to ask you guys. Uh, I'll go last. We'll go uh, like we've been doing. But let's do uh, Josh, Matt, Christian uh other joel and brian and me uh would you meet some of your characters and would you take a selfie with them that's your question hey. <laughs> oh man uh yes uh i i think i would want to meet Troy. uh although he, he's kind of a gross character uh he 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 likes like he likes to smell bad he constantly like i said is in and out of the dungeons and stuff but he doesn't like wash himself and uh, one of the things is we fought a mimic, uh, and in the mimic's mouth, uh, like after we killed it, it dropped a, an elven cloak uh, or cloak of elven kind, and uh, yeah. it was like covered in slime and uh, and like dirt and stuff. And he's like, "I'm just gonna put it on, you know. Don't worry about me." So yes, I think I'd meet him. I don't think I would want to take a selfie with him. Um, I mean, I feel like Comet Chan would be cool. Like, he's just, like, a chill turtle. And he'd be like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, let's take a selfie. Uh, Fanti, I don't think he would murder me, but that's not out of the question. <laughs> yeah, mostly yeah, good yeah, mostly good. Yeah, 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 you're right. He wouldn't murder me. Unless he did something. But yeah, I would not meet any of my earlier characters, because they would definitely murder me. Sounds like your life would be left on a whim at that point. Yeah, yeah. Christian, I think that's you next. Oh, is it me? Oh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, sure. Um, one of my characters I based on Kronk from The Emperor's New Groove. Hell yeah. yes. Nice. Hell yeah. Nice. Voice and everything. Yeah. And so I would love, like, hold on. Let me see if I can get into it. Oh, I'm excited. This is, the, the, this is where you cut the awkward silence for the podcast release. <laughs> oh, we're not cutting it. I don't cut it. I'm not cutting it. You know how many times we've, we've waited at the beginning? And, and Joel like, has oh, the editing shit. power for no, this episode. It's at his whim. All right, okay, here we go. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, the character's name is, is Ulan. Uh, so, my name's Ulan, and uh, it's very nice to meet you. Uh, we've got a good time ahead of us, and uh, if you get in trouble, just get behind me. It's like oh I'm, my god! That was damn it's good, like dude. I'm in a room oh, with man. You've even got the expressions I, I, down. That's, one of, my, so that's good. one of my favorite things to do. It's unca- like I can do it really easily. It's such just a unique voice, and you can't help but smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I guess that's me now. Um, Mithrandir, no, he's a dick. He would. 
definitely not want to take a selfie with me. Um, I would love to meet Josiah. Um, he would probably tell me that me getting to take a selfie with him is because the goddess smiled upon me. Uh, and but yeah, Myth no Mithrin is a dick. He he doesn't like people generally. <laughs> Oh, I mean, Tre Trez is pretty normal, you know, he's out of all of my characters, he's pretty much the most like normal out of all of them. I'd be a little hesitant because I because he's very cool with Krogan's for the most part. So I'd be afraid that I would have to kind of like headbutt a Krogan just like to like show like respect to like grunt or somebody that's like on our ship. Um, uh, Kriggs is he's. Besides, like the whole like blood hunter stuff, like I feel like if I caught him on like a, on a good day, it would be fine. You know, I don't feel like I would be kind of like <laughs> too afraid. I would really enjoy like going like far back and um and trying to get a selfie with Sar, just because I feel like as far as like meeting like new people, it's like I feel like there'd be enough awkward energy to like fill an arena. And so I would just like I was want that moment to be just captured in and photographed, just like two very awkward people, just like trying to act normal. Um. Hmm. Well, I've had uh, quite a bit of characters die. Um. Uh. I'll just leave you guys with a little story before I talk L about characters. Living or dead was not one of the requirements. <laughs> yeah. Um. I had two characters die in one session. Uh. They. That's how bad I rolled one time. And my Omega Dread died that same week. It was a terrible a week for D and D, but I made new characters. Um, I'd say I would take, I would meet Omega Dreads, even though he'd probably smell like swamp ass Wookie. I wouldn't take a selfie with them though. Um, Lauren Axis, he was pretty cool. I basically based him off of uh, Oberyn Martell, so he'd probably be hella suave. Um, Artesia, I'd meet her. I'd take a selfie with her. Um, I'm pretty sure she would get annoyed with me, though. She's like, get out of my face! Like, it's like, get it, you know, sign your autograph and get the fuck away. Um, for Mass Effect, I usually default to, like, the Turian captain's name is Nithrandis. I feel like he wouldn't meet me. We wouldn't get along. And he'd be like, get off the ship. I don't want to see you again. Like, it would just be like, yeah, you're you're a dick. No, thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd meet those guys. Um, I <laughs> Some of the characters, and Matt's led this DN, uh, DM session called Honey Heist. I don't know if you guys have heard. It's like a one shot. Um, there are these like bears that do crazy things. I would take a selfie with them. I wouldn't meet them. But I mean, they're these like there's one where like me and another I think me and Nate or someone we got in like a bear mech to stop someone who became like a demon overlord. It bear. was Fernando who was a sun was... bear who took the sun part it, yeah, a different direction. <laughs> yes, I take a selfie with the the bear mech, of course. <laughs> you know. All right. Well. I think that was a nice long session. Uh, thank you guys for coming along. I really appreciate you guys uh, jumping in with all your varying experiences and moments. Um, before we go, if you guys want to uh, plug yourself, where to find you guys, uh, we we like to do that. So we'll just go in the same order again. Let's start with Josh. If you, yeah, thanks for having me on. This was super fun. Uh, I don't have any plugs. If you ever want to play Xbox with me, hit me up at uh, Tech Wolf instead of a W. It's two Ds. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I don't really have much of a social media presence. Like sometimes I post some music stuff on my Instagram, uh, Kitty Music. Well, that's about it. He's being humble. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I Lord Jobiticus on on Instagram. Um, you can add me there if you want. Um, but I also want to plug the Venture Maidens again. Go check them out if you don't know Hell them. Hell yeah, they are an amazing group of people. I'll check them out. Um, DM'd and also played by one of my really good friends. So go check them out if you haven't heard of them. Uh, I, I think that that comes to me. Uh, hello. I've been I've been Christian, mostly known as Kappa on the online in online spaces. Um, I'm all over the place. You can uh, all of my my TTRPG shenanigans and and stuff are announced on my Twitter at the Kappa Chris. So twittercom slash the Kappa Chris. Um, I'm How do you part spell of Kappa. K A P P A. Want to make um, people get it right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, V Kappa Chris. Um, yeah, I'm in a bunch of stuff. Um, re- I-, I mentioned Revenge of the Crit. Uh, that airs usually on Wednesdays uh, at 6 p.m. PST. I play Soren, a chess sniper person. Uh, I'm on a podcast called Roads Uncharted, which airs new episodes every single Friday. We just wrapped up season two. Uh, and it's the first podcast uh, actual play set in the Genesis system. That's our claim to fame. Um, and uh, uh, in, in the fantastical world of Rajiv, which our uh, GM Dax uh, has created. Um, if you're familiar with Friends Who Roll Dice, we are a group who try and uplift uh, marginalized uh, creators, performers in the TTRPG space, um, indie, indie folks um and do a lot of charity work so if you're familiar with friends who roll dice i'm the pink haired one over at friends friends who roll dice i'm part of the leadership team there um until i want to say like october 19th or something i'm in a show called lost across the fence which i mentioned earlier a uh a game in the cortex prime system set in the amory wars by the front runner of coheed and cambria Claudio, that is on twitch.tv slash super Dylan, D-I-L-L-I-N. Um, but yeah, if you liked what you heard today and want to, you know, talk more about TTRPGs and representation and all that stuff, you can tell I'm pretty passionate about these, these things and have lots of thoughts and all these, all, all you know, can, can talk a lot about it. Hit me up, message me on Twitter, bring me back onto your podcast and stuff. Um, yeah. All right. Well, as always, you can find me at uh, Brian underscore Saber, and that's Saber with the R-E on Twitter and Instagram. Um, You can also uh, check out my Twitch um, going through a little bit of a, you know, transition as far as content goes. So be on the lookout for that. Um, And I do have a few... uh, Gameplay videos on YouTube, also under Brian Saber, so you can go check that out as well. And of course, you can come back to the podcast for some more fun and hijinks and nerd content. Hey, Brian, what's the email again? Because I always fuck it up. Oh, do you mean unitedwenerdcast at gmail.com, where you can go and yeah, that you one. can go and ask questions and give feedback to our podcast? Yeah, not whatever I said that one time, unitedwenerdpodcast at gmail.com or whatever. It's unitedwenerdcast at gmail.com. Also, we are on Twitter. You can find us under united underscore we nerd. I believe that is correct. Brian, 
Is that correct? You are correct. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! All right. So if you want to find us, find us. Oh my god, my pronunciation's going. Uh, United underscore we nerd. Uh, we're on Twitter, and then if you want to send us an email, you don't like my you know rant about Joe Krogan over Joe Rogan. You want to fight me on Char's counterattack? You want to fucking tell me that that last Witch Hunter movie was good? Send us an email at what was it again, Brian? United We Nerdcast at gmail.com. Thank you. And if you want to find me for whatever reason, I'm on Twitter under Acoustic Avenger. The I is a one. I'm also Mad Mech Monster Mine on Spotify and SoundCloud for some fun musics, nerdy musics as well. And once again, thank you for listening. And a big thank you to all my guests who made it out today. It was a lot of fun exchanging stories. And I hope we can do it some more. And it looks like we have a lot of people for Castlevania. Fucking stoked. (laughs) Let's fucking go. I would like to just give you an extended goodbye. And thank you to our special guest today from Beyond the Grave. This is Tom Dangerous. (laughs)